Good to have you here on this Monday, Kevin BJ and Ben. Glad you're making us part of your day. Good to be here with you all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. And so much to get to. It's now into Super Bowl week. And we will be counted down towards the Rams and the 49ers coming up uh, this weekend. Of course, NFL coaching hires. Uh, some getting made today. And over the weekend, we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. The Pro Bowl stinks. And, uh, and more up here on the show. We'll also continue to take your chances to register for our Valentine's uh, Day giveaway, which we will uh, be giving away a two-night stay at the uh, Westin on Jekyll Island and a uh, package tour to the Milan Day Spa in Savannah. So your chances to register coming up in just a little bit for that prize. But, uh, fellas, a lot to get to, a lot to digest. We'll get to uh, the Super Bowl uh, the big storylines coming up, but a lot has been made coming off of National Signing Day last week. Jimbo Fisher tried to talk it down, and, and others. Lane Kiffin said, "Look, this is what's going. The NIL impact and what is happening across college football." And I know uh, BJ and Ben. There's a number of different things that have happened uh, across college football, from boosters who have businesses uh, who are paying athletes uh, out there to uh, collective groups of boosters who are basically pooling money. I know, Ben, uh, you have talked about that with the Gator Collector. I think Oregon has a organization uh, that's kind of centered around Nike of some sort uh, doing that. I, I, we're, we're seeing this at universities uh, everywhere, but it seems like we're essentially working around just giving players a salary at this point and calling it something else. Uh, because if you paid them, then you're not a not-for-profit organization anymore. But if you have a side unit that's doing it, well, that's perfectly legal and uh, and uh, above board. So the NIL uh, certainly is going to continue to grow. I think in every way, shape, or fashion, uh, we've seen it centered around football. I think you're going to start seeing it uh, move over into major college basketball. I don't know if that's going to trickle down as much, but the programs that generate a lot of revenue by being good, your Kansas, your Dukes, your North Carolinas, Kentuckys, UCLAs, I think those are certainly going to have something like that to make sure they're getting the top basketball talent out there as well. Where's this thing headed? I don't know. I mean, that I mean, I really, really don't know. And the reason why I say that is, I, I could, I consider NIL like a cup with no lid on it, because it's gonna, it's gonna overflow. I was on, I was on a call this morning um, with Eddie Rojas, the, uh, the uh, founder of Gators Collective, and um, Billy Napier was on there. He was on there talking about the importance of NIL. And he was saying, look, man, you know, essentially everybody's, you know, everybody kind of seeing what it could do when you're talking about Texas and we talk about Texas and Kevin the BJ. Look, you, when you think about college, when you think about college uh, athletics. Uh, football and basketball in particular. No one saw it becoming what it is. Now, just take away NIL. No one saw it becoming this. I remember a time to where the first, I don't know who the first head coach to make a million, but it was like, dude, you making a million a year? That's laughable now. You got you got coordinators making two and three. So I just think that when you think about how crazy this thing could become, you basically told people in the shadows, hey, hey, you don't got to do all that hiding no more. We going to do something to where you guys can come out front and be able to try to help us. Because it's all about winning national championships. BJ, I know Vanderbilt shouldn't have those type of aspirations. They shouldn't. And they probably never it's never gonna happen. But you think me and you talked about Cincinnati. We talked about, you know, the Michigans of the world. Brands, you know, come with brand equity. Then you talk about, you know, these big these these people that, you know, have unlimited money when you talk about boosters and businesses and all these different things, is hey. If, I, if I'm a kid in high school right now, and I'm asking, wait a minute, Georgia won the national championship, right? Yeah. And they played Alabama. Yeah, but Texas A&M got no more class. And then you start going in between the numbers. Because I'm going to say this. Look, 
I know people don't like this, but I'm going to go back to the great philosopher known as Hugh Douglas. Money and memories. I'm telling y'all, it's not that different when you're talking about the fact that if I walked away from college and I was able to better my life financially, economically, because of what I did in college, I, 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 I'm not going to tell that young man, that young lady. And the no. student athletes have earned that. Obviously, they've they they, they they've obviously earned that. I think I think we all agree these opportunities are uh, they they've been a long time coming for for student athletes as you've seen college athletics grow and expand and. Uh, the the individual brands, Ben, you're talking about brands, right? Like the brand of the University of Michigan or the brand of the University of Georgia. These individual student athletes not only have a big part in developing those brands, they have their own brands. And I think you're seeing that on social media. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the, I guess, the, was it Dan Murphy, a story on, on ESPN.com. What is the NCAA's role in all that uh, all this? Because you're asking what's next. I think, is there is there a... A, a place for the NCAA in this? Or as you've speculated for a long time, Kevin, are we reaching a point where not only is the NCAA not viable in kind of a traditional sense of what it's normally done, but as we move forward into this new landscape, is the NCAA not viable at all? Well, I, 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 again, I, I think there at some point the, the top schools are going to look at the NCAA and say, literally, what are you doing for us? You're going to look at it like a business arrangement. The, the, the bigger the money gets, it becomes a business deal, right? Okay, we make a lot of money from the NCAA off of what? The NCAA tournament. And maybe some schools make some off the NCAA baseball tournament. People don't understand this. The bowls have nothing to do with, with the NCAA. Not one bowl game is being put on by the NCAA, is being run by the NCAA. You know who runs it? ESPN, private company. They could sustain themselves without... Right, right. that's what I'm saying. Like The the NCAA does not put them on. I think the NCAA sanctions them. It's like, yeah, you can have a bowl game. Mm -hmm. That's about it. Mm -hmm. The the bowls are run by... And honestly, I say this, like ESPN has made bowls. Why? So they can have programming for their... For their channels, right? I mean, and again, that's that's why we have so many, right? Yeah. So ESPN, in those weeks leading up to Christmas, could say, we have 32 bowl games on, and we can put it on ESPN, ESPN2. we got it all over the place. And they can make money off of it. They get the title sponsor. So that has nothing to do with the NCAA. Bama, Georgia, has nothing to do with the NCAA. That was the college football playoff national championship. That was put on by the college football playoff committee. Nothing to do with the NCAA. The NCAA football championship was what? Montana, North Dakota State, or whatever, whoever it was this weekend, I forget. Or this year, I forget. South Dakota State. South Dakota State. So that was the NCAA football championship, the FCS level. Big-time college football, the NCAA is basically hands-off on all of it. The conferences play their schedule. The conferences and the individual schools set up their non-conference schedule. And companies put on the bowl games, and a playoff committee puts together the playoff. So the NCAA, outside of regulating or used to, cheating, don't really do much. Mm-hmm. The NCAA basketball tournament is a big moneymaker. If the top 64 schools all left, and you said, look, everybody's got, we're going to seed it 1 through 64 and everybody's in, is that not making money? I, I, I just think at some point you're going to get to the point where the, 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 the conferences look at the NCAA and go, what are you doing? Like, why do we need you? They've done nothing with, I mean, really have done nothing with NIL. They just kind of threw their hands up, and now... As Ben said, it is a cup with no lid, and the cup is overflowing, and there's no way to even put the lid on there because the water's coming out so fast, you can't put a lid on it. But and to I your think point, that, if we I go think, back, right, if we go back, 
wasn't it kind of these state governments that kind of first opened the door sure. up for naming I mean, the Jalikas? And I think state governments did that as, as obviously, do you think the governments are tied in with the flagship universities of their school a little bit? Of course. Of course they are. So, of course, if it makes it more attractive to bring notoriety to their state, bring people to their state because the student athletes can make money, of course, yeah, we'll pass the law. We'll do it. Uh, you know, so I, I, I think that is where we're at with all that is mm-hmm. it is it's not necessarily the Wild West, but it's pretty darn close. Hey, schools, you can't set it up. Okay, well, we're going to make a group. And, Ben, I'm not seeing a lot far. I just know this because you've talked about it. Yeah. We're going to make a group of people. They're all former Florida Gators. They went to school here. They all have money. They're throwing it in a pot. Are we affiliated with a school? No, nah, not really. We're, we're over here. School's over there. We're over here. Do you talk to the school? Of course we do. Do you talk with it? Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah, we do. We're not affiliated with a school. We just all went to school there, and now we're going to make sure our student-athletes can get paid. I mean, what is that? I'm not, and again, I'm not saying it's wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying if you, if you were to look at it, it is circumventing a way of saying we're going to pay players, but they're not employees, and so therefore the school's off the hook. But you're making sure you're getting the best athletes. And again, I'm not singling out Florida. Oregon's doing it. Oh, yeah. Texas A&M obviously it's, 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 is. A, the so schools that like, are doing it is going, is going to find themselves in a real bad situation. But the, the thing about Gators Collective, and I'm not not pubbing them, but what the, the way they did it was, you take boosters, aka deep pockets. You take a you take you take the average, you know, Joe Schmo. He, they got, hey, man, I ain't got but $100 to give a month. And I said, all right, man, give that. But now you got full access to these players. And in a sense, you kind of you kind of get to see, like, the under this undertaking known as Gators Collective because it's like this. If you're the CEO of the company, you know, it's Kevin Inc. Me and BJ work there. We all went to the same school. But you got different responsibilities than us. You got a lot on your mind. All of a sudden, you keep hearing about this thing. Now, when they approach you, you heard it through us. When they approach you, they're going to say, well, we think you could do a little more than 100, Mr. Kevin, right? <laughs> but, at uh, yeah. same, but at the same time, right? But at the same time, they're using your love of the sport and the school to to generate interest. Now, obviously, you won't – it's almost like – I, I look at it as, as a hotel. Hotels got – you know, they got they got the governor's suite, the mayor's suite, whatever, at the, at the top floor. We're on the first floor. Now, we're in the same hotel, same amenities, but you at – and that's kind of what it is because what Texas A&M did that made everybody mad was well, they're like, dude – we know what this is, and y'all mad at us because we took advantage of it. So those uh, those uh, alumni, those the, the ones that got you know banks, hospitals, businesses, real businesses that didn't have to go start a business. They try obviously they want them. They want the type of income to where those businesses are gonna if a business say we're gonna spend fifty million in taxes. Well. How about you spend 30 in tech? Well, it's all about <laughs> yeah. creating opportunities yeah. for the yeah. student-athletes. Yeah. I mean, marketing opportunities, yeah. financial opportunities, and, again, those opportunities have been earned. I think when you look at uh, college athletics, right? I mean, we've talked about this a lot back when this first uh, was becoming a national talking point. College athletics in terms of the scope and scale and the investments and the resources, what it is now compared to what it was a generation ago, I mean, it's a different what it, world. What it is now compared to what it was 12 well, months yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, sure, but I'm saying, Ben, like you said, not long ago, not long ago at all, you just had a coach making a million dollars. That's crazy. Now you see coaches' $50 million contracts, $75 million well, with with contracts. Right, yeah. and and I think you've long needed an, 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 an avenue for student-athletes to be a part of that, to to get their part, to be able to monetize uh, their likeness, the likenesses they help create. Again, when you think about you know the big brands in college sports, the student athletes and and their work and their input, 
that's what's adding to that and kind of maintaining the status quo. I guess my question is, going back to reading on ESPN.com today, is, Kevin, I know you've long asked the question, is the NCAA outdated? And I think whatever those conversations were, well, I mean, I think they're making name, themselves up because they kind yeah. of are not doing but I, anything. But I think so, name, image, likeness has further those conversations from you know theoretically a year ago, two years ago, you could say, I don't, what's the NCAA doing? Like you said, in the era of the college football playoff. Well, I mean, well, now in the era of the college football playoff, name, image, likeness, everybody having kind of their own TV deals and networks and all like that. What? What's it doing? For, well, I mean, I, and, 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 and I'm talking about for football specifically. No, I understand. Obviously, and, and I, understand. I, and I think you look at uh, what, just how, how far this thing has traveled in a short amount of time. I mean, just to use two examples of, of things that happened in this state. Georgia Tech gave back an ACC, or had to forfeit an ACC championship game because a player received pants and a shirt from somebody who... And, and that's who absurd. He was, from, no, I'm saying, from somebody from, from who he was related to. Todd Gurley sold an autographed jersey. Mm-hmm. For I think probably less than two hundred dollars, right? Mm-hmm. But sold an autographed jersey, had to sit out four games. It's absurd. Now you have a fund where schools are saying, if you come here, not hey, we want you to market a product. If you come here, we'll give you a hundred grand. Not because there's this. Is where, I know Christian, I've been not because there's a marketing deal set up, but because we're going to call it one and we can pay you money. And, and so I, I think that is it's like if you think about. The distance we've traveled in a short amount of time where oh, yeah. you sell you sell an autographed jersey, you sit out for four games versus there is a slush fund over here of money that we are using to get our student athletes. And and again, schools readily admitting, oh well, they're not affiliated with us, but they're over here to make sure we get student athletes. So I mean, that's how far we've come. That would have been illegal and gotten you the death penalty yes. five years ago. Yes. Right? I mean, for, for basically what's happened. You said, and I think, and I so think there's we a group all agree. of boosters who are paying your student athletes? That would have been called breaking and the And I rules. think we all agree so, those I mean, rules in terms of like, hey, uh, you know, you lose a game or you lose a, a championship. It was That was so outdated and not reflective of a modern no, model. I, I, I just think. Again, we're calling it NIL to get around the fact that you're paying a player. Of course, like, I mean, and, so, and I think but, that's but, what. I, but at the same time, too, though, Kevin, like I said, you know, we, you know, it's, it, it becomes this thing to where how could it? It couldn't stay the same the way it was. Like these, Trevor Lawrence is more famous than the average NFL quarterback. Yeah, it had to, at Clemson. It right? had to evolve so, alongside because, and, and, and the, think, the sports I, and uh, think, landscape. And this is another thing too. Um, people, obviously, the NFL pipeline is college. Well. This gonna also become a new way to hire clients. Like you take a company that's giving money to the collective, and they say, "Hey man, didn't he say he wanted to be a you know a contractor? Yeah, well I got a contractor business. Now if I'm doing this, do I have? So I'm telling you, it's gonna be. So I look at it like that too because one percent go pro. I was a part of that one percent and I appreciate it. But I think about the ninety nine percent that say, "Dude, I did all these things, I didn't go." Well, getting out in the workforce might be a little different now. The further line might be changing. Cause you know, hey man, you help you know you help my business grow. Even though I was giving you a couple of dollars, you want to come now? Those days are over with. I know guys that was, <laughs> and and, it's, and and the contract is only when you with with the team. Once you graduate, I think the contracts are void, null and void. Then, which a lot of these guys are who just came into it, those six year seniors or those guys who got an extra year, they got the experience for a year. But hey man, my key don't work now. Well, that was last year, man. We got to move on. <laughs> I think it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves. But again, the fact that the NCAA has really not said anything about. Hey, we think it's going a little far. They said nothing. Just been quiet about the whole thing. Uh, I think it's very telling. And at some point, I mean, it's just natural to sit back and say, wait a minute. Like, if I'm the SEC, I'm bringing in two more teams. I mean, you basically got 
almost all the big players, with the exception of maybe a Southern Cal, UCLA, in terms of the big, prestigious state universities, like what what else could you, what else do you need? What else do you need? I, I think that's going to be interesting to watch this thing continue to develop. We got the Super Bowl this week. We'll come back. Talk about some of the early storylines here heading into the Super Bowl on Sunday. Love to have you join us. It's 3 and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We'll give the show a call, 912-342. 3 and out on this Monday. Super Bowl coming up. Rams, Niners. A lot of storylines. Rams, Niners. Excuse me, Rams, Bengals. Excuse me. A lot of storylines. I don't know why I keep saying the 49ers. Got them on the brain. I don't know why uh, uh, there's so many storylines. We're going to talk, obviously, about the quarterbacks with Stafford and Burrow. Is that storyline numero uno? Is that the biggest one of legacies that are going to get written good and or bad by what happens on Sunday, especially at the quarterback spot? Yeah, I think when you look at the Super Bowl, um, it, it, it it's hard not to think about what could be with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to get ahead of yourselves, right, Ben? I know you were kind of calling us out last week for saying, oh, what if – what if Pat Mahomes wins this many Super Bowls? Or And no one's saying you're going to get to the Brady level. But if we're being honest, there have not been many quarterbacks in history, and Joe Burrow hasn't done it yet either, but there have not been many quarterbacks in history that have come out and won a Super Bowl in, in year two. What, Roethlisberger? I'm, I'm trying to think. Not, not many. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, you know, much like you look at Kansas City and you look at Pat Mahomes and go, man, he's what? 25, however old he is, 26, you know, could he be in three, four more Super Bowls? I think you look at Joe Burrow and say, what, he's 24, whatever he is, could he be in a couple of more Super Bowls? And I know, Kevin, you always say pump the brakes when you start talking all-time type stuff, but you've already accomplished some all-time type stuff. Cincinnati had, had never won a road playoff game, ever. And not only did you win a road playoff game, you beat the number one seed. Uh, in 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 Tennessee when they had a bye week the week before. So you've done some historic stuff. Uh, I consider L.A. the favorite. I don't, you know, we'll get to picks later in the week, but I think it's going to take, you know, a complete effort, clearly, for, for Cincinnati to win this game. But if Joe Burrow wins the Super Bowl in his second year, I think that would have to prompt some conversations about kind of where does he rank amongst the best quarterbacks in the league right now? And could you be talking about, could, You'd be talking about a quarterback that might, by the time it's all said and done, be in one of those all-time type conversations. I think he already is. I think he already is because he's re- he's reshaping the entire dynamic of a culture. The thing what a quarterback's supposed to do is before he wins and loses, how does he? What does he do for our culture? We didn't. I mean, Cincinnati didn't have the worst culture in football. I mean, they had you know a Boomer Sison. You know, they've had like Carson Wentz. I mean, I'm Carson with Carson Palmer. And like T.J. Hushmanzad and Chad Johnson and Rudy Johnson, you've had some storylines, nothing like this, right? I believe Matthew Stafford is a star. And if he wins the Super Bowl, we'll recognize him. I believe I believe Joe Burrow is a superstar. Because the thing about it is, is most people only know Matthew Stafford because he's went in the Super Bowl and he's been in the league, what, 11, 12 years, what it is. This is Joe Burrow's second year. Joe Burrow is saying, look, man, why I got to be, why I got to be so humble? Because because I, because I'm in my second year because I missed most of the year because I tore an ACL. No, we expect to be here. We know we, we know we're not the media darlings like a Dallas Cowboys are. We know we're not the media darlings like a, a Patrick Mahomes or or Aaron Rodgers. They're home right now, watching us. And I think when you start talking about the, the biggest storyline is Joe Burrow because you ain't never seen nothing like him since 2019. He's never lost in the playoffs. 
Jamar Chase. I mean, he broke his he broke his teammate Justin Jefferson's record for the most receiving yards as a rookie. Zach, I mean Zach Taylor, the head coach. I mean, he was six and twenty five before this year. We just forgot he stunk as a coach before this year. So all I'm saying is, when you start saying, "Why do you reach for a quarterback?" Joe Burrow is the why you reach for him because you could you could swing and miss, but we swing and miss all the time. Yeah, I think what he's doing. I know this is getting off track, but I think what he's doing. Helps boost the stock of Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, well, yeah, uh, Sam yeah, Howell, because, because, Matt because, Corral. Because we, and, and, but, I, but I will say this. Joe Burrow, to me, is the greatest storyline right now in this, in this Super Bowl. The best storyline is Odell Beckham Jr. Because when people start talking about a guy that was a rock star in the National Football League, he's known for a – every time somebody do the one-handed play, it, it used to be you go up on somebody, you get mouth. That's still it. One hand, you, Odell, OBJ. OBJ is the only – only uh, he's the only player I can remember that had a Nike deal, a Nike cleat deal. I think it was like a five-year, $25 million deal. He's the only guy I can remember had the whole – had every receiver back in 2014, 2015, dying they have blonde. All of them was doing it. But people thought that when he went to Cleveland, he was done. He goes to L.A., that resurgence. And B.J., I know that Cooper Cup is the, you know, he's a, he's a triple crown, you know, receiving touchdowns and catches. They do not win that game in the uh, in the championship without Odell. So if Odell Beckham Jr. can go out there and have a similar similar game he did in the championship game, I think he, because people start thinking, hey, man, is it the player or is it the coach or is it the place? I think it's always the place first. You don't believe me? Randy Moss. He goes to the Raiders. He was just putting dirt on himself. He was getting ready to bury himself. He goes out there to New England, resurges. So while Joe Burrow is the big face because BJ, he got the name, he got notoriety, he played quarterback, I think Odell Beckham Jr. might be what we're talking about coming out of this. Well, thing. yeah, good point. And, and then with the Rams overall, and Cincinnati, so many of their players are very young, but with the Rams overall, I mean, we always say that a Super Bowl helps add to the resume, yeah. clearly, of, of, of a Hall of Fame profile. I mean, how many guys on this Rams team, if you add a Super Bowl into the mix – are, are Hall of Fame players. I mean, we've asked multiple guests from L.A., Matt Stafford, if he gets a, a super-duper yes. and plays well, yeah, yeah he's probably... He already got the yeah, numbers. He he's got, probably, he got the and, and, and granted, would need to play. I don't think he could just retire and be a Hall yeah. of Famer, but he probably on the same track as in the Hall of Fame. Aaron Donald already in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. He has a But if you add a Super Bowl, I think Jalen Ramsey, you're starting to talk about a Hall of Fame Resume. Uh, Von Miller, already in the he Hall of Fame. Yeah. Odell, you had a Super Bowl. I, I will, you're I talking about a Hall people, of Fame resume. Ain't like this. People ain't going to like this. An outside dark horse to be a Hall of Famer. And BJ, we might have to change it because, you know, it might be Eric Weddle because of the situation. Eric Weddle was at home. He had retired. He, he was done with football. Both started saying to get hurt. Raheem Morris calls him Eric Weddle. Hey, man, we need you, man. Eric Weddle was out there making Eric Weddle. The first game he played in, led the team with tackles. Eric Weddle's making impact plays. Now, do when I think of the safety position, do I think of Eric Weddle? No. Eric Weddle sounds like my accountant that, that helps me out of my taxes. I get it. But when you talk about impact, BJ, if some, if you were at home on your couch, I, even though he's already in the Hall of Fame, it was T.O. Just say Cooper Cup goes down, they call T.O. to come back to the Super Bowl, he's Super Bowl MVP. Does that he's already in Hall of Fame? Does that change? I mean, the way yeah, we're yeah. There's so many guys. So, I mean, so we'll I mean, see. Cup, Cup. If you add this with a ring, I mean, now, I Cup, think Cup gonna, Cup gonna have to keep it, right. You have to, to keep, keep up. Going, he's but, in the conversation early. Yeah. I mean, what about a guy like Andrew Whitworth? I mean, you've been in the league oh for God. for twenty I, I years, yeah, and Andrew, then you get a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Andrew, it's it's everything you want, right? People ain't talking about this. When Sean McVay first got hired, people were like, man, he's too young. 
He's an offensive guru. It's not going to work. I already went to the Super Bowl. He get to redeem himself. Last time he went, he went with Jared Goff. They scored three points, and they lose 13-3 to to, you know, uh, Tom Brady and them. He wins this thing. How many more young coaches? The, uh, Kellen Moore, 30 years old, def, uh, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. Telling y'all we are a copycat league. I think Sean McVay is a, is a step above the rest. He said if he had a quarterback, he can get it done. So if he wins it, what does that do for other young coaches who great offensive minds? Yeah, a lot of great storylines uh, heading into the Super Bowl coming up. And again, no Tom Brady in there, right? So no Pat Mahomes. You got some fresh faces, some fresh storylines in this thing uh, coming up on Sunday. We'll certainly talk more about that as we go uh, throughout the show here on this Monday. But a lot of a lot of guys getting hired around the National Football League here over the weekend. We'll hit the couple very latest. We and hopefully we get to uh, MLB sooner rather than later. Uh, there with uh, with baseball coming back. Hopefully they can figure something out. But, uh, again, for now, those uh, talks still trying to find some common ground between those two parties. We'll get to that uh, another time here on the show. But certainly uh, Super Bowl's uh, first and, uh, and, and foremost in the NFL mind, but also certainly heading through last week. A lot about the hiring of, uh, of coaches in the National Football League. Dolphins uh, make one over the weekend. Uh, really make it official today. Mike McDaniel. Uh, comes in and is now the new head football coach of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, uh, I, man, his name came out of nowhere. Uh, former offensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, the thing about the thing about the Miami Dolphins is they, they're going through an identity crisis right now because they're trying to be able to win the PR battle. They're doing they're doing the best they can to win the PR battle. Stephen Ross, the owner of the uh, owner of the Dolphins, is trying to do his best to appease the Rooney Rule. You just got rid of a guy in Brian Flores who won games for you, and now a lot of ugly, you know, ugly behind the scene things are coming up. I was watching, I was watching ESPN this morning, and I've never heard this before. They said Mike McDaniel is the new head coach of the of the uh, Miami Dolphins. He is multiracial. I've never heard, uh, you, you know, I, well, obviously if he's obviously he's uh he's black and uh and white, and I think he's like German and different. He's, he's a lot of different uh. Uh, ethnicities, but I've never heard the term multiracial used when you're talking about a coach. But that's where we are now, in uh, you know, public perception. Because <laughs> the thing about it is, is right. This is why they said that. Because if you look at if you look at Mike McDaniel, you would not know he was a black guy. There's nothing wrong with saying that out loud because you don't. But that's by design too. Stephen Ross is saying, "All right, y'all gonna try to put me in a corner. I'm gonna give you what you want. It ain't gonna look like what you want." But I'm giving you what you want, and and I'm the only. I think he's the only front office that has a black GM. I mean, uh, a black president, different things. So I just think that listen, I'm happy for Mike McDaniel. But for those who think, hey, I man, you got to be a coordinator that calls plays. Mike McDaniel called plays. Kyle Shanahan called plays. Mike McDaniel, BJ, you read something where you know he, he's really, really good to get the best out of his players. Name me a time a team went to the Super Bowl that didn't have a top ten quarterback. It's hard to do. Name me a time that a quarterback was in the bottom five of the National Football League and you won with him. That would be Brian Flores. He won with two or two was in the bottom five. So all I'm saying is, and do Steven Ross want to look a certain way when his, when, his, when his head coach walk out because of ruining rule, because of public perception, or do you want to win games? Now, I wish Mike McDaniel was nothing but the best, but Brian Flores had a winning record the last two years, and then you got rid of him. I'm happy for Mike McDaniel, but I do think that it goes back to what I be saying. When you talk about getting the most, the best qualified, man, if I just happen to look a certain way, that shouldn't keep me from getting jobs 
or that shouldn't be the reason why you you paying me to lose games. But we'll see what happens. But it was on, you know, the things that, you know, the things that happen, I call it infighting, the things that be happening when you talk about, like, certain communities, certain groups of people, that stuff was happening. That, was, that stuff was showing its ugly head on social media. And I'm not looking for social media to be my barometer <laughs> for it. That's not what I'm saying. But I just think Stephen Ross, while he gave somebody an opportunity, he gave us, you know, he gave a certain, you know what, to a lot of other people by saying, "Okay, I'm not, I'm gonna give y'all what you want because I'm, I'm getting dragged through the, through the, through the media." But at the same time, I'm still doing it my way. Which, at the end of the day, you know, he, he can, he can hire whoever he want. I, I wish Mike McDaniel's a lot, but BJ Kevin in this entire coaching cycle, we've heard Airbnb enemy, heard Byron Leftwich, Lovey Smith. Now, did you even hear about Mike McDaniel at all until he got hired? Weren't the Jags trying to get in on it? Hey, I think maybe. it was uh, something like just at the very end. But uh, I, I, you're right. I mean, I mean, do you think? Do you think? Do you think Bienemy get because his resume mm-hmm. obviously is unparalleled. Yeah. When you think about what Eric Bienemy's done, I know uh, there were initially some reports about could could Flores still be with Houston, yeah. and I don't know what the latest is. I know before the show we were looking at the rundown, and I and I think. Uh, Lovey Smith actually is close to a yes. deal, or reportedly no, he, was close. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be yeah. uh, the, uh, the head coach of the Texans. Where do you think that leaves Eric Bieniemy? <sighs> Hopefully with the Saints, because I think sometimes, and 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 and, and I think about this: if Eric Bieniemy becomes the head coach of the Saints, does he hire Brian Flores to be his defensive coordinator? I just think that sometimes, you know, we try to avoid certain things. Eric Bieniemy doesn't interview well. Can he coach? Yeah. Like, if I sat down with Sean McVay and I know football, I don't want I don't know what he's talking about. You want me, yeah, you're talking about over the top, man. Throw it to Cooper Cup. I'm just saying, like, certain things, it's I knew I knew people who were really, really good in college. They weren't good at taking tests. Kevin has been doing radio for 20 years. I don't like the own I don't like the on-the-spot questions when we're doing games. <laughs> but it's so it's almost like it's almost like Hey, he, he's done better in the yeah, I have, 2020, listen. I have so much running through 20, my brain. 2022. One, Kevin is gonna add the you know what it is, you can have whatever you like bowl game in Las Vegas. He's hosting it. As long as I get to Number be there. Number two, Kevin will eat, Kevin is coming around with a triple chocolate. We, no, we try not, not, no, some things you just can't compromise on. That's not But, uh, not but I'm happen. just saying I, I think I think I think certain times BJ and Kevin is you know, BJ, something me and you talk about all the time, man. You know, we live in the same world. We just don't experience the same things. And when you look at a situation like Eric Bieniemy, he's going, what the hell, man? Like, what did I do? You just said we was comparing Patrick Mahomes to being the greatest top five quarterback. Well, who coaches him? Who, who, who gives the plays? Every time Patrick Mahomes comes to the sideline, he's talking to a short, bald-head black dude named Eric. His, his last name is Bieniemy. I just think that just say you don't want to hire him. Just say that. Or well, if I, Eric Bieniemy should have been a head coach a long time I, I ago. Will, I mean. I, but I will say this too, though. I don't want to come off like we're begging for Eric Bieniemy. I mean, you get promotions when I supersede my current job position, my j- current job title. Andy Reid has come out and said, I, no, I don't call the plays. He called the plays. So we'll see what happens. But New Orleans is in a different situation because they're replacing the guy that's been there, what, 15, 16 years. So – I don't. They don't want to become the organization that keeps the guy for a long time. And now we tra- getting the guys three or four years, you know, uh, apart. But we'll see what happens. I think Eric Bieniemy got good a shot as any. And I think for Blunt, if Eric Bieniemy is the head coach and he wants to be able to bring in his own people, maybe he gives Brian Flores another job because I don't know if the NFL is just afraid of Brian Flores at this point. Because if I hire him and then he gets a two hundred and fifty million dollar settlement, 
and he's and he's trying to get ready for the you know the Colts next week. I I don't know. I don't even know what Brian Flores' end game is. I wish him nothing but the best in and what he is. I'm supporting him in it, but it goes back to the Kaepernick situation. When Kaepernick got that settlement, a lot of people went what when he got the settlement. So I don't know. I don't know if. Bro, I, don't, I know Mr. Flores said, you better get something. We better get something out of this. <laughs> so we, we, we'll see. But I'm happy for, listen, to Arena, I'm happy for Mike McDaniel. I'm happy for Lovey Smith. I know we're going to talk about it later. If Eric B. Enemy doesn't get a head coach job this year, shout out to Hugh Jackson that said, if they don't want you in the NFL, come on over here to the HBCU world. We, you know, let, let's take this over. And I, and, I, and, I, and I gladly support that man in, in, uh, in the sentiments. We've got more to come here on the Three Nights. Ben said we will talk uh, Lovey Smith. That is... Uh, the latest uh, this afternoon, Houston Texans naming him as their uh, their new head football coach. But we'll come back. Super Bowl brings out the stars in a lot of uh, these situations. Who's the biggest star there at uh, at the Super Bowl? We'll get to that on this Monday Super Bowl this week. Rams and Bengals. A lot of stars come around for the Super Bowl. Sea stars play on the biggest stage again. We talked about no Brady, no Mahomes, no Aaron Rodgers. Who's the biggest star out there this week? As we talked about in the early segment, you got guys trying to make their legacies in this game. So who's the biggest star out there in this year's Super Bowl? I mean, Ben, we were talking about it in the show meeting. I think you were right with uh, with Odell because I was thinking, you know, obviously you think about Odell, you think about the quarterbacks, you think about Jalen Ramsey, it, it, uh, Jamar Chase, and Ben said, go look at the social media for uh, Odell. And I went and looked, and I – Cam, you can double check this, uh, but I I think uh, Aaron Donald had around like I don't know a couple hundred thousand, and I think Odell had like four or five million. So I think I think the biggest star in the Super Bowl, right? Odell Beckham Jr. Isn't it? It has to be, because I think about it like this, BJ and and Kevin and Cam and Christian and whoever's listening. This guy had a moment, and what people what people felt. I I compare Odell Beckham Jr.'s moment, and and I and I mean. And I mean this respect. Aaron Donald, what, 119,000? Yeah. What I, was the uh, total on uh, on uh, Odell? Odell, like in the millions. I, I mean this respectfully. 4.2 mil. There you go. 4.2 I mean, mil. When Allen Iverson first came on the scene in the NBA, he crossed up Jordan. Right? Everybody like, ooh! AI lost that game. But that moment lasted forever. Um, when Dallas played uh, New York on Monday night, that, that one-handed catch, New York lost. No one cared about the loss. They remember that, ca- they remember that catch. Now, how many people are known by their initials? OBJ. That's how the whole world knows him. Don't nobody, Odell to OBJ. He has his own clique deal. Dying as hell. I mean, got in a fight with Peroxide and lost. And a whole <laughs> bunch of kids did that with him. All I'm saying is, BJ, when Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't play well, we think, what's wrong? What's wrong with Odell? Because we've seen him dominate. When you start talking about those long line of LSU receivers, I think it started with him. Jarvis Landry, Jamar Chase. Jefferson, and obviously you've had other guys uh, other than him, but I just think that for me it is Odell because if somebody goes Aaron, they think they're talking about Are you Aaron saying Rodgers. The, the the one name superstar Jalen. Yeah, half the stadium gonna turn around. They in LA. Odell, OBJ, kids know him, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, Cooper Cup superstar, Matthew Stafford has superstar ability. OBJ is a rock star. They got a video. OBJ goes overseas. You know, BJ soccer overseas is, is gold. The boy's driving down the street. He sticks his head through the sunroof, and the people are going crazy like he's Ronaldo. People, because all I'm saying is, what made Michael Jordan a global superstar? The Olympics, right? There are no Olympics in football. The boy just went over there. 
OBJ, man, I'm gonna be in y'all city. I'm gonna be in Europe. Where at? So and so, so people went crazy. All I'm saying is, we don't we don't understand. I was living, I was working, um, I was working uh, in New York, uh, you know, back in back in 20, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, and um, OB, OBJ had a uh, he had a sponsorship with Bloomingdale, and he had a sponsorship with another you know major retailer, right? Other guys from the Giants getting out doing autograph signs, everything was cool. This boy got out the car, and he couldn't make it in. They wouldn't let him in. I'm like, I'm looking like, who they looking for? And I look, and I saw the top of the head. I said, okay, that's got to be him. <laughs> I'm just saying, he is that dude. Like, he is. And it's hard for people to know you in, in sports. In a team sport, that you wear a helmet. Like we say in BJ, if, if but he's so famous, right? It's outside of sports, right? It, it, Whereas, it, it like, he's a, he's a, he's how a, famous is is Matt Stafford outside of sports, or Jalen Ramsey, or, or Jamar Chase, or or Joe Burrow? But I think I, I would say this. I would say this. Jalen, Aaron Donald, Von Miller—they're famous. They're not celebrities, though. They're famous. They're famous. Celebrities is OBJ is getting invited to stuff that has nothing to do with sports. He's in like. Like, Jalen Ramsey wanted to come to L.A. to become a celebrity, and it didn't work. OBJ was a celebrity in Cleveland. Like, think about that. Because he was in the biggest, he was in one of the, probably the biggest media market in the world, but he was a great player, right? You, BJ, why did we used to watch the Panthers? Because of Cam. Have you watched them since? No. You were watching the Giants, not to see. OBJ made even Eli look good, and that's hard to do. So all I'm saying is, Yes, there's a lot of stars, but I will say you this: OBJ is probably going to show um, his his you know before the game and after the game. Watch all the celebrities that be want that's going to want to talk to OBJ. The, the, the guy's a star; he's a superstar. I'm happy for him. I love Aaron Donald. I love Cooper Cup. I love Von Miller. I love Leonard Floyd. You know, uh, I love Sony Michelle. I love Matthew Stafford. I love Sean McVay. Who cares? And they're in LA, land of the stars. How many of those guys are getting invited to anything? It's not called golf. Ain't nobody inviting him to nothing. OBJ is getting invited to stuff. He knows Kevin Hart and Will Smith. Like, OBJ may come to the crew. These people want to meet him, which is hard to do. And like I said, he got $5 million a year to wear cleats. Five mil. That's how big of a star he was. I remember he was all, I remember he did all the commercials. He was in New York. Did all Already the has one of the most iconic plays in the history yeah. of the sport. And, 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 and if you add a, a Super Bowl championship to that, well, that profile. This. Russell Wilson needed a Super Bowl for us to take notice, right? OBJ, he, don't, he got that catch. I mean, and, and you know what's going to happen, right? He probably already got a, a video put together. If he win it, they're going to, like LeBron won the first championship. They went to the video when he was a kid and all this. I am happy for OBJ, man, because it's hard to do. Most guys want to play because we want to be superstars. It's not going to happen. We, 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 you know, we made a couple of dollars. I was in Nashville. I mean, if you weren't Steve McNair, Ada George. And may see him in there rest in peace, man. I mean, I used to go places. Be like, Ben, where Eddie at? Like, Mama, stop asking me about Eddie. Okay? <laughs> He's not coming. So, it happens. <laughs> we got more to come here at 3 and Out. Obviously, we'll uh, take three on the flip side. Still to come uh, here on the program, we will chat with Demetrius Harvey of Big Cat Country. Uh, he'll join us. We'll look at the Texans hiring uh, Lovey Smith, the Pro Bowl. I mean... Should we just get rid of it? Or do people actually like I was surprised that many people paid good money to watch it yesterday. Good to have you here three and out on this Monday. Kevin BJ and Ben Super Bowl week is here. It's Rams, it's Bengals. Uh, and it's gonna be a lot of fun coming up 
uh, this weekend there in Los Angeles, uh, no less, for the Super Bowl. We'll look at the uh, the Texans. They've made a new hire uh, to take over their franchise. Also, we're coming off the Pro Bowl weekend. Love it, hate it, just throw it in the trash and get rid of it. We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Demetrius Harvey of Big Cat Country will join us coming up in the final hour of the program. And we'll hear from Clay Helton of Georgia Southern uh, coming up at the final hour of the program as well. But first, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, fellas, take one. Who stands more to gain from a Super Bowl win on Sunday, Matthew Stafford or Joe Burrow? Both with legacy potential on the line uh, there on Sunday. Who stands more to gain from a win? I'm going to say Matt Stafford, and I think part of it's because of their age. Uh, Matt Stafford probably about 9 or 10 years older than, than Joe Burrow, and I think even though quarterbacks clearly play up to 40, past 40 sometimes now, I think you can look at Matt Stafford and say, you're not going to have the same number of opportunities that, that Joe Burrow, in theory, is going to have. Uh, if Joe Burrow loses on Sunday, everybody, 100 people out of 100, will still say it was an incredible season. You, 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 you added to your brand. You laid the foundation for the future. I think if the Rams lose on Sunday, there will be some people who say this was a disappointment. We, we, we got all this star power. We went out and traded away all of our draft picks. We went out and acquired Matt Stafford to win a Super Bowl. And I think if there's a loss from Cincinnati's standpoint, the response will be, we're going to be here for a while. Whether that's fair, true, whatever, that's going to be the feeling. If the Rams lose, I think it's going to be, well, man, this is what we made all the roster moves for, was to get to this game and win. And not only did we get to this game and not win, we lost to the Bengals. And I think for Matt Stafford, this is a possible single-game Hall of Fame audition where if you win, assuming you don't retire, and you come back and play for a couple of years, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. I think I think Joe Burrow's still you know way too early in his career for that. Now, Burrow, like you said, Ben, maybe he goes from star to superstar or superstar to megastar if he wins. But I think just given that prior to this year, Matt Stafford had never won in the playoffs, he was brought in to do this, and whether it's fair or not, I get it, but people, if you lose, are going to say, you lost to the Bengals? I think there's more pressure and thus more to gain for Matt Stafford. I think, uh, I mean, I think Matt Stafford uh, definitely got a lot to play for, but I think it is Joe Burrow. I go, I, I give you Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes' legacy started not because he won uh, the regular season MVP. When he won the Super Bowl and they started going on them runs. And then they already talking about him being, you know, the face of, it, uh, the NFL, they got him on the Madden cover, him and uh, Tom Brady together. Joe Burrow wants to be the face of the league. Joe Burrow wants people to root for the Bengals that aren't even Bengal fans because there are people that root for Tom Brady because of what team he's on. There are people that root for LeBron no matter what team he's on, even if there aren't fans of that team. Joe Burrow is saying, look, man, I'm a number one overall picture like Matthew Stafford. I'm going to do it with the team that drafted me. And they have to they have to put all these things around me for me to be able to go out there and get it done. They have to give me arguably the best defensive lineman to ever play this game. They have to give me one of the best cornerbacks in this league to play this game, uh, future Hall of Famer and Von Miller, calling somebody off their uh, couch and Eric Weddle. No, give me T. Higgins. Give me Mixon, right? Give me Boyd and those guys. Give me Chase, and we're going to go out there and get it done. I think it is Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow said, look, man, some people didn't think I was that good at LSU. Some people like, dude, you're going to go to Cincinnati? You're going to suck. I am proving that just because a really, really good player goes to a bad organization, I can change the whole dynamic of this thing. And it only took me two years to do it. I give me a one Joe Cool, Joe Burrow. All right, moving along. Take two. A lot of coaching hires have been made around the National Football League. Who has made the best coaching hire this offseason? I have to think about it. I do. 
I do. <laughs> now I have to go through my mind and think who has hired who and 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 go back through my mind. Um let's see. I you know, it is interesting if you if you grade off of the scale of how it is think about Jacksonville, okay? Jacksonville literally had the worst hiring process of all time. Like of all time. I you you as a franchise lost a ton of credibility. You became the laughing stock of the league. I think whatever positive momentum you had from Trevor Lawrence and uh, the idea that you were going to be this young team, you lost with Urban Meyer. And then you move on from that, and not only is there this dramatic amount of uncertainty, there's, hey, Byron Leftwich wants to come, and you're sticking with a GM who nobody wants, and you lose out on a incredible opportunity to get Byron Leftwich, and that would have been an amazing hire. That's what the fan base wanted, a guy that uh, helped Tom Brady, Cam, as you pointed out, to his best statistical season ever at the age of 44. And then you're looking around going, not only did they mess up everything, they were going to wait until after the Super Bowl, apparently, (laughs) because they didn't submit the paperwork to interview the offensive coordinator from the Rams. They didn't submit the paperwork, so they were going to have to wait. So I think given all of that, uh, I, I I think what Jacksonville did in in getting uh, Doug Peterson they a stumbled very good into hire, it. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't know how you give them credit because it was so bad. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you get a coach that's won a Super Bowl, and I think that is very impressive for Jacksonville. Oh man, who who made the best hire? For me, I think it's Denver. I think it's Nathaniel Hackett because I mean, former offensive coordinator for the uh, for, uh, for the Green Bay Packers, and I think because. There's a one disgruntled quarterback named Aaron Rodgers who no longer wants to be in Green Bay. I think he's going to Denver. How do I know that? You think Rodgers following? Well, what, what think about this? What, what just, what just look at look at John Elway's uh, track record, right? John Elway, since he's been there, has made three really really good decisions. One, he drafted Von Miller. Two, traded for Demarcus Ware, and three, he got Peyton Manning. That was three good decisions. Peyton Manning's going to reach out to uh, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. No longer wants to be in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers saying, look, man, I'd rather go with the guy who, you know, is responsible for the play call and not actually how I played. And Aaron Rodgers wants to go to a division, you know, that he thinks he's a win he's going to have to deal with. You know, he's going to have to deal with, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes and those guys twice a year. But I think it is Nathaniel Hackett. I think I think uh, he was a really, really good coordinator. You know, uh, he's the reason why, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be in Denver now. So because you're going to arguably get a top one or two quarterback, I'm going to go with Nathaniel Hackett. But I will say Jacksonville – did get the right guy because uh, Peterson was the guy they wanted in the beginning of this process. You didn't have to go through this debacle. Uh, you did it. But I will say this, BJ, Trent Baalke is still the GM, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that ends. <laughs> I feel like, like I said, Jacksonville feels like a good answer, but the wrong answer because they didn't do anything, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't do anything right. It's like, I'm going to do everything wrong, and I'm still going to get a guy that's won a Super Bowl as the head coach. Yeah. Like, how does that happen? Right, we don't know what we're doing. We're we're we're, we're messing up timelines. We're Look, messing up deadlines to talk to coaches. They call Peterson back and they say, hey, "Is he on the phone? He's on the phone." He's we're, hey, we're we're disqualifying candidates because they don't like our GM, and I'm not willing to make a move there. And it wasn't just left. Which there were a couple guys who had reservations. I think even the guy they ended up with had reservations about Trent Baalke. And you're going Jackson. Now Baalke maybe moving yeah, into it. And, and, and Jacksonville no, 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 botched it. No, every, need to move out. And, and, need to move and, down the hallway. And, 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 and Jacksonville botched it almost every single step of the way and still ended up with a guy who has a Super Bowl win in his resume, of which there aren't that many guys. Yes. Granted, there are more guys that have won a Super Bowl than there are head coaches who have won a national championship in college football. But you feel like you kind of stumbled into it by accident if you're Jacksonville. All right, take three. If Aaron Donald gets a Super Bowl win, 
Would he go down as the greatest D lineman to play the game? Woo. And you're talking about what he's what he's been in the the. Uh, and he's been to think, a dominating force. To think how many? I, I went and looked at his Wikipedia. He's been a seven time first team All Pro. I'm trying. Has he been in? Is that every season he's been in the league? Uh, first team or, or, or I, I, yeah, yeah. So seven, seven every year you've been in the league. First team All Pro and very dominant. You, yes, yes, you have dominated. You've been to a Super Bowl. You have helped. And this will be your second trip. You've helped revolutionize kind of the interior pass rusher as a defensive tackle. You know, for a while it seemed like the NFL. And look, it depends on scheme. I get all that. But the NFL was going with you have to be the six four. 325-pound kind of anchor along the defensive line. And Aaron Donald You're by, there to take up space, yeah, not well, make and, plays. Yeah. And Aaron Donald, by kind of those traditional metrics, you might say he's a little bit undersized. And there were some people, and we all watched him at Pitt. Like, if you said this, this was the wrong take. But there were some people coming out, yeah, maybe he's a little undersized. Nope, maybe he's the greatest defensive tackle ever. And what would a Super Bowl win do? That's just... Another another bonus. I mean, the, the the profile is already first ballot Hall of Fame. He's already in the discussion. And we were, I, I know Ben, Warren Sapp is a guy that stands out. Uh, I think if you're talking about interior defensive linemen, Warren Sapp would be up there. Maybe go back to some guys before my time. Uh, we were talking about Mean Joe Green before, and I went and looked at, at, at his bio. Four-time Super Bowl champion mm. for Mean Joe Green with the Steelers. Uh, two-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, was NFL Man of the Year, five-team, first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro three times, so had eight total All-Pro awards, but four-time Super Bowl champion, if you talk about greatest, I think it would be probably, what, Aaron Donald, Warren Sapp, Mean Joe Green, kind of in that in that comp, but I think Aaron Donald would absolutely he already is, but I think you add a Super Bowl, he's in that conversation, certainly. Yeah, and he understands that. Yeah, I mean, BJ, when I – yeah, I mean, I played, I played, you know, uh, during the Warren Sapp times. It was towards the end of his career, but still very, very productive. You talk about me, Joe Green. I mean, you know, I've, and I've seen documentaries on this guy, Deacon Jones. I mean, they weren't even recording sacks, but he had a, he had a move now that he, he probably wouldn't have played but in one or two games with his signature move. Uh I was mean, he an edge rusher or, or, or an I, interior? I, I, I think I think he was both. I think I think he did both because uh, D line was like undersized back then. Yeah. They weren't if you big. go because if you're including, I mean, I think Reggie White would have Reggie to be the White, defensive I, well, lineman I mean, as well, a whole. I mean, when I think of defensive lineman, I mean, there's two names always pop. What well, three? You got Warren Sapp. You know, you always got Reggie White. You know, and you got Bruce Smith. Like Bruce Smith is a guy that, I mean, my goodness. I mean, I th- I think he's the I think he's the all time leader in sacks. In the National Football League, I could be wrong. Him and Reggie White like right there together, but Aaron Donald is something we've never seen before. Like let, let's face it. I mean, I've been in the league for seven, eight years. I'm a first team All Pro all those years. Two time Defensive Player of the Year. I think one year he had over 20 sacks. I had defensive tackle. He had over 20 sacks. So, I, and he knows that he doesn't want to be. And I know he don't want to be like you know the Julius Pepper. Great player, great career, no ring. And that's what he was talking about at the end of the game. We go back to the last play in the NFC Championship game was what? Aaron Donald pressuring uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, him throwing it away uh, for the pit game over. So Aaron Donald, I mean, he, he gets it done year in and year out, and he's getting double teamed year in and year out. So, yeah, for me, Aaron Donald will be an all-time great. And I think that's what you would hope. To say number one, because like you said, BJ, we didn't see Joe Green. We didn't see D.G. Jones. Well, Kevin, I mean, I mean, Kevin, what was it like watching those Steelers teams in the 70s? Exactly. Uh, so that being said, the uh, <laughs> the oldest guy on the show. I just I, I didn't know if you. Yeah, they were awesome. Uh, that's why they were the steel curtain. 
I think the rings are like the the big validator, though, for for anybody, right? I mean, it's hey, I'm a great player, great player. What is the ultimate icing on the cake? Sit in that room. You, you, it's called sitting sit there. They always say in a uh, football term, they say you want to be in that room, and everybody can't be in the same room. Like if you talk about Warren Sapp, he said, "Well, look, man, until I got that uh, until I got that ring, I wasn't in that room." He said, "Man, it's almost like." I don't want to be in a room with Hall of Famers, is it? Because Hall of Famers start like, yeah, man, when we won the, when we won it all, you have to kind of sit back like, yeah. So yeah. it's like that's the culmination of what did you do for your team, Aaron Donald, trying to get that ring. That's take three. We do it every day. This time we've got more to come here on three and out, including coaching hires uh, galore here across the uh, the National Football League. Mike McDaniel in with the Dolphins and the Texans have made their coaching hire. We'll get to that next here on three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Hey, this is Josh Booty, former LSU quarterback. You're listening to 3 and Out with BJ, Ben, and Kevin. Good to have you here, 3 and Out, on this Monday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're with us. Again, Valentine's Day coming up next week, right after the Super Bowl. We will have your chance to register to win, or register to enter, I should say, uh, our Valentine's Day contest, as Ben is blaring uh, music in the studio. Our Valentine's Day contest uh, where we will be giving away a two-night stay at the Western Jekyll Island and a package to uh, the Milan Day Spa in Savannah. So a great Valentine's Day package. Listen for your chance to call in, and you can get registered uh, to be a part of that drawing, and we'll give that away coming up on Friday. So keep listening for your chance to win, but a lot of hiring news around the National Football League, obviously last week, and now into this week, Mike McDaniels, we talked earlier, in with the Dolphins, and just really before the show started, Lovey Smith named the Head football coach of the Houston Texans, I believe uh, Ben Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator yes. already on staff, so uh, he was already there. And the Texans hired him today officially as their head football coach. Hiring from within, uh, Lovey Smith, BJ, as you mentioned, has a winning record in the National Football League. Has been to a Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, he's over five hundred. Yep. Been to a Super Bowl with the Chicago Bears. Played against his best friend uh, Tony Dungy. Uh, that was a uh, that was uh, old sexy Rexy uh, versus uh, Peyton Manning. His first Super Bowl. I mean, I like the hire. I don't love the hire, if I'm being honest. I mean, Levy Smith, 63 years old, well-traveled, uh, went to college and back, uh, had his time at uh, the fighting a lot, and I came back. He's well-respected um, you know, around the NFL. I'm, I'm going to be very, very interested to see how he's going to do his coaching staff because he was a part of you know, he was a part of a coaching staff. Now he get to be the head man. Do we, do we uh, retain some of the guys he has? And once again, who's going to be his quarterback? Deshaun Watson has not been seen from or heard from in all of 2021. We don't know how that situation is going to end up. Who does he add to his staff? What type of quarterback? And I know this is just out there. Kyler Murray has unfollowed everything that has Arizona Cardinals in it. I don't know if that means anything. I don't, I don't know. That could mean a lot. Could mean nothing at all. I'm just saying he's going to have to get a quarterback because every great coach is tied to a great player, that being at a quarterback position. So right now the AFC South is wide open. I mean, I mean, I know, I know BJ Yo Jags got their new head coach. No one's scared of Carson Wentz. He can, you know, he need to drink more milk. He either gonna either gonna throw a pick. He's gonna be hurt. And I mean, if you can find a way to tackle number twenty two up there in uh, Tennessee, you got a shot. I just think that for me, Lovey Smith is a guy who he understands opportunity because he's done something that usually doesn't happen. He's got a second opportunity to be a head coach in the National Football League, and that doesn't usually happen for black head coaches. And he's doing it. I'm gonna be very very interested how he puts his um staff together. 
But once again, it is the Texans. If you don't get a quarterback, it's going to be much to do about nothing because the Texans already or, you know, one time another expansion franchise outside of Andre Johnson don't really have a lot of history to really go off of. I mean, Brock Osweiler is who they, they – I mean, they gave him a big-time contract after he won – well, helped Denver win the Super Bowl. It wasn't because of him. So we'll see. But uh, shout out to Lovey Smith. Congratulations to him. 63 years young, second opportunity in the National Football League. Yeah, it's good to see. And and I think I think Lovey Smith is a good head coach. You know, when – when Jacksonville was going through, I hesitate to even call that a process, when Jacksonville was going through whatever it was going through, you had a lot of fans who said the following, this situation is a mess. This situation needs you know, needs somebody who knows what they're doing. And I think it's the same thing, uh, and and I, I, I think it's the same thing with a guy like, like Lovey Smith. You're stepping into a Houston situation where there's a lot of work to be done, and he's won. He, he's, he, he's been a head coach in the National Football League. He knows what it takes to be successful. He knows what it takes to go and win at a championship level, help take a team to a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think when you know when Jacksonville was going through the process, I think for some candidates you thought, and look, yes, this will be a good fit. Byron Leftwich, hey, you've taken a team to a Super Bowl. You know what it takes to win. But I think for some of the candidates, the fans would say, well, you haven't won a ton, so why would a franchise that hasn't won a ton go and get a coach that hasn't won a ton? And I think for Houston, you need credibility. Houston, you need stability. And to get Lovey Smith, who's a very well-respected, uh, uh, respected, excuse me, head coach. Again, Jacksonville ends up with Doug Peterson. You've won. You've won a Super Bowl. You've been a consistent winner in the league. I think that's what Houston needed. I think it's. I think it's a good hire by the Texans. They better go get some players because BJ. Those who think, oh, he went to a Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, Devin Hester. The, not arguably, he is the greatest special team of all time. He had Brian Urlacher, Hall of Famer. You had a uh, you had a uh, no, 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 no. I, look, look. I agree. Jacksonville roster needs help too. Yeah, Houston, yeah, but, but, but you saying, get a coach that's won and that's been to a Super okay, Bowl. If I say BJ, who plays for Carolina? You're gonna say Sam Darnold, Shaq Thompson. If I say who plays for Jacksonville, you're gonna give me. If I say who plays for the Titans, who, who plays for Houston? That's what I'm Tyron Taylor. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, you we don't even know. It's 50 guys in the I don't know nobody who plays for Houston. Nobody. Everybody that's that is of significance got the hell up out of Houston. Right? Deshaun Watson, he got himself up there. I mean, James Harden, he was with the Houston Rock. Boom, gone. <laughs> nobody wants to be in Houston right now. But I am happy for Lovey Smith because all he did was just find a way to just stay the course, didn't make ways and find a ch- so I'm I'm looking to see who is gonna make his coordinators. And once again, we talked about the Saints earlier if they do Flores and can they, can the Houston Texans PR department, a front office department, can they handle that? Because it's going to be some ways if and when Brian Flores doesn't become a coach on somebody's staff. Yeah, that's interesting. And again, you're talking about, and Ben, you and I, I think, talked about this a little bit off the air. You have a coach that at that point will be actively suing the league. Yes. Right? And again, I know people say, well, but against, they're going against they're the going league. Ask. I mean, so I think that is one of those things that's an issue. Suing the league in with which you are coaching in. Lovey Smith, obviously, with the credentials. Uh, to, uh, to be close. It's bad. It's, it's, it's bad. I mean, Houston is bad because you don't even – people go, when do you know a, a – like you don't you don't hear anything. And I'm trying to think off the top of my head, number three pick. I mean, and, and listen, they were competitive last year because they don't got the number one pick. They don't got the number one pick. <laughs> right? They were competitive, but well, – yeah, Jacksonville's but, got that two but, years yeah, in but a row. This is the thing, too. Once again, <laughs> we can't tell you nobody who played for Houston, a a, a NFL franchise, like, do so-and-so, so-and-so, do J.J. White? No, he's in Arizona. Tyron Matthew, no, 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 he's over there in Kansas City. They have the number. They have the, so I mean, if, if you have the number three pick and you're you, but coach, you need, coach but Smith, you, are you looking quarterback? You need listen. They'll say with the number three overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, the Houston select, the Houston Texas select everybody. We want everybody in the draft. <laughs> 
because they because they need everything. We have a full remember, have a remember, full roster tryout. I remember when David Carr they did a commercial when David Carr was there. Obviously, number one overall pick. And they say, what does your team need? They showed a picture of the offense. They showed like the, they showed the quarterback, running back, receivers. It was no, there was no alignment. Nobody was in front of their car. I don't know what the Houston Texans. I know they need a lot. They need, what is going to get them back to being relevant? Does Joe Burrow have a little brother? They need something. Because right now, BJ, Kevin, we don't know anything about Houston. Well, if, I'm, if I'm a quarterback going to Houston, I'd be a little nervous. Like, am I going to get the David? Am I going to get the David Carr treatment, or I'm just going to get oh, beat the kid up from uh, Stanford? They yeah. Who? Who? Davis Mills. Mm-hmm. I watched him play in high school, believe it or not. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so I'd throw that out there on the show. Why are you giving me a look like that? No, I was like, like, okay, I was, I was just like, for a breakdown. No, just, we, uh, Houston, do you do your best. But listen, but Houston can't say this. First game of the year, got that dub against the boys from Jacksonville. I don't know how many dubs you got after that, but they did beat them boys from Jacksonville. We'll see what happens. Look, and, and I just think having a coach that's been to a Super Bowl, knows what it takes to get to that level – Helps even when you're in a really bad spot like like Jacksonville or certainly Houston is. Yeah, we got more to come here on three. Speaking of a bad spot, the Pro Bowl just terrible. We'll get to that. Should they just get rid of it at this point? Save us all the time and trouble and just put it out the pasture at this point. We'll get to that. When we come back. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Glad you're with us here on this Monday Super Bowl coming up this week. And one thing is for sure, it will be better than the Pro Bowl. Uh, yesterday, I, the only thing I know people say, well, quit. Obviously, people are watching it. I watched like just a few minutes of it just to see how bad, because you know it's going to be bad. But I looked and they showed an overhead shot of the stadium, like that many people paid good money to watch this. Like, it was bad. Uh, basically, two hand touch Awful. Pro Bowl featuring the best players. Now, again, it's the best of the best, supposedly, out mm-hmm. there. I don't think people hold the NBA well, to the same. You know what I'm saying? No, no I mean, I mean no players from the two no, best it. teams I, in I the league. Or- Aside of that, you have to assume it's the best of everybody else uh, out there. <clears throat> the NBA doesn't get as much criticism because at least in the fourth quarter, <clears throat> they'll usually get it together and get pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. After three three quarters, of kind of showcasing their talent and things of that nature. Baseball, you can't really just go out there and go through the motions because that doesn't work. Oh. <clears throat> you have to throw the ball and still – Hit the ball or just stand there and take pitches all day. But might the best thing just be to get rid of it? Because I know people say, well, nobody wants to get hurt. Well, that's fine. But when you're doing some of the things that they're doing, it's just you can tell nobody's really trying. And and, and again, I'm not saying you need to give 100% effort, but you should give some effort. Man, when I was in the Pro I mean, when I used to watch the Pro Bowl. Look that up. Was it really, what what <laughs> year was that? Is that kind of like when we were at SEC I, Media Day? Listen, listen. They have cameras. They have Polaroids back then. No, I will say this. This is when you know it's bad. <sighs> Stefan Diggs, the receiver, is covering his brother, Travon, who is the cornerback. That's when you know it's And Stefan locked Travon the hell up. Like, he couldn't even get open. <laughs> then people getting that Kyle Pitts. They said Kyle Pitts finally scored his first touchdown in America because, as you remember, didn't score one this year. Oh. It's, it's bad. Got one in it's, London, though, yeah. It's, it's bad. And, and, and the thing is, I got Darius Slate. Shout out to the 912 saying, hey, man, well, the difference now is we don't have an all-star game during the season. Well, here's a thought. Here's a thought. You don't have a game tomorrow either. Just hit each other. Like, it's going to be fine. People get hurt sometimes. But – you kind of want to see a competitive game. I mean, I watched uh, Mac Jones out there looking like Kenny Pickett in the freaking ACC championship game. Problem is, he's running by himself during the, during the what is it called, the gritty in the freaking end zone. And he, <laughs> and he can do it, too. He, he did. I, 
That's not a game. Like, anybody could do that. Like, think about this. You go, hey, they're, they're the best players in the world. And they're touching guys. Like, man, come on, man. I told you if I touch you, if I push you, you got to stop. What you mean push me? No, they got flag football for flag. Y'all can hit each other. And I will say this. You don't got to kill each other when you hit each other, but I can tackle you without trying to hurt you. It's ridiculous. Like, and it's almost like do the, do the coaches go, all right, fellas, we can't get nobody hurt out here. You know, Aaron Rodgers out here and they go Russell Wilson. And no, no, you're doing dodgeball challenges and all, they do all kinds no, of stuff. No, yes. No, that's what I want to see. Was it, was it me? One of us around the, we were yeah, watching, it, yeah. uh, uh, dodgeball last week, and I think the skills challenges are are cool. Like when you have the moving targets downfield and the yeah. quarterbacks are throwing 45, 50 yards. I think it's cool if you have, I mean, field goal kicking competition, whatever, but even non-football things like playing dodgeball, that's fun, okay? I'm watching I'm watching some of the best players in, in the NFL, NFL right, NFC? play dodgeball. That's fun. I don't want to watch, to your point, a fake football game. And I think some of the things are kind of cool, like the, the Diggs matchup, that was pretty cool. But, but but for the most part, a lot of it is just going through the motions. I want to see the skills competition. And you can do a variety of different things. You can do football skills. You can do non-football skills. Maybe I mean, Parson I mean what if you got – Yeah, yeah, you have, you know, the 40-yard dash stuff. You know, who can do – who can do this different skill or this different measurable this, this the best? This is what you should do. I and like I, this, that. This, this, I want to see skills like this. Okay. Like, usually, you know, linebackers and tight ends think one is faster than the other. Do a, do a relay race, right? Let's, let's, let's go out there and see. Because I want it, because the thing about it is, is BJ, Kevin, we, we watch the basketball, we watch the All-Star game because you got the skills, you got a three-point contest, you know, you got a whole bunch of stuff. But you're going to see the dunk contest, right? The All-Star game, you know it's going to get competitive. The, the Pro Bowl, as soon as they kick the ball off, like, what is this? Like, 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 no, 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 like, what is this? The refs don't know what but they why not take, to why not take, why not take jobs that other players do and have players from different positions do that? Like, I'm sorry. I would like to see Russell Wilson versus uh, Travis Kelsey trying to punt the football. I would like, no, li- listen, I would like to see James Robinson and Odell try to throw the football. You know who can have that? Just just random matchups like that where you take play. I think that's where you could have fun with it. And I know I'm not an expert. I saw the highlights on ESPN Plus. Okay, I'm not an expert with the NHL All Star, but they had a skills competition right, yeah. where it was like, can you can you weave through this and then hit the side of the post? I'd like to see random skills competitions with individual players because there are superstar players that whatever they do, it's going to have appeal yeah. in the National Football League. You're talking about the best athletes on earth. And to be able to see them do different things, I mean, what if you had, you know, defensive guys? What if you had Aaron Donald out there running routes? I know he's getting ready for the Super Bowl, but if you had fun, unique, kind of silly things like that, but it's at least different. And it's at least something that that video could go viral. Or, no, 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 you know, you could position. see. Let, let, about let, bragging let, rights. Right. Yeah, let, let, receive, let receivers play DB. Let DB play receiver. Let, you know, let stages go over there and try to play. Run. And, and, that's how bad the Pro Bowl has gotten, though. It's all about the things that happen before the game. It's all about them. Because I just think that, like, that's not football. Everybody that's playing in the Pro Bowl, didn't play in the Pro Bowl, that watched the game, played the game, saying, dude, what is this? Like, if you, if you turn it on, you're thinking to myself, I do what? Why, why, why they won't tackle each other? They're not allowed to tackle each other. Don't, no, listen, guys, uh, no, no tackling to the ground. What? Nothing I was just like saying, that. did anybody actually get tackled to the ground in the entire I don't, game? I don't no. Guy, this guy's falling. I mean, I mean, I mean, they said that uh, my my former coach uh, George Henshaw said that he went to the Pro Bowl one time and Jeremy Shockey was a rookie, and Jeremy Shockey didn't get the memo. They said like some defense they out there practicing some defensive end come off. He like cut him down. They're like what you doing, Jeremy? 
Like, I don't know, it's football. They like, no, we don't do that. It's like, well, I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the text message. I didn't get the CCD mail saying, because it's football. It's almost like I've gone to flag football tournaments. You got to tell them, hey, hey, none of that bring it to the ground. Like, they don't do anything. Like, they don't, they won't touch nobody. Hey, man, if I touch you with my hand, that's a sack. And you kept running. What? Like, are there, are there MVPs in it? Like, Justin Herbert was in it, and they was booing him. And but, I mean, they, how do you fix that? Because, because get dude, rid Kevin, of it. But, yeah, that's I what say I'm getting just at. get rid of because it, Because, to your point, you can play baseball and just kind of play it. But with, you have to play. Right. Yeah. There's no way to kind of go out there and kind of play baseball <laughs> with football. And, and even basketball, to a certain extent, especially late in those games, guys get into it and all like that. I mean, in and I football, think the NBA didn't. They if, put a bonus on winning the yeah, game. Yeah, like but in football, if get if, back to how it used if, to be and play it after the Super Bowl. If you Bowl. can't be physical, though, you you can't have the game. And that's why I'm saying, take that, scrap it. Agree with both of y'all, but don't get rid of the stars coming together and doing something because I think there is the potential for excitement, for intrigue. Just do skills competitions. I do see various how, I games. See how, you got the best players in the world. I want to see how good players are. Like back in the day when Deion those guys said, "Look, man, we finna go out here and see. He ain't finna get nothing today." And think about this. If I got the best quote, so you want to keep the game? You want guys to go full? Yeah, because that's football. It's almost like it's one game. And I'm gonna say this: if I'm going full out as a as a former player, I know how hard to go. Like I know how hard to go. It's not like I'm trying to take somebody's head off. I give you Sean Taylor though. Sean Taylor said not on my watch. Oh, they're going to run a fake punt. Boom. That's not <laughs> happening. Because Sean Taylor is trying to show you I hit everybody. Nothing anybody, even close to that anybody, is yeah. And the thing is, it's it's not like that at all. You say to yourself, what? Is, like, name any other All-Star game. Any level. Pop Warner, middle school, high school, they play. Army All-American game, they play. NFL, don't play. Like, what? What age you get? But I guess game? the fear is though you're sitting here in early, getting close to mid February. Mm-hmm. If you have a torn ACL or mm-hmm. a torn Achilles, I mean that's how do you how do you account but for that? But aren't most torn ACLs non-contact? Yeah, it's football. So I mean, I, I, I will I, say this. It I'm is. not making a generalization, but I mean, obviously yeah. you could get hurt, and I understand that yep. part of it. But it it's almost like you've gone so far the other direction where it's like. We're all out here just to not get hurt. Like, you literally could have played that game yesterday in shorts and T-shirts. You could. And just, hey, just do oh, that. I mean, if, if, you, if you're going to make if, listen, if you're gonna make it a glorified, if you're going to make it a glorified flag football tournament, just let it go. Because that's not football. That would be like, you know, I mean, showing up to the pool to swim ain't no water in it. Hey, man, fellas, we're going we gonna to still have fun today. What? No, no, we're not. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. That's not a game. I don't, I don't know. And we got to watch highlights of it. Well, let's watch the dig. <laughs> let's watch. Let's watch the dig, brothers. I know their mom is proud. Why? Because the receivers playing DB and DB playing receiver. That's how bad it is. And, and obviously, Stephon. I mean, uh, Trevon gonna try to get open. Like they, they made a stat after the game. This is how bad it is. He goes. Stephon Diggs has dropped. He, he listen. He's one hundred percent catch rate. You know, he's never dropped a pick. Well, I would hope. Like, yeah, that's how he made the pick because he didn't drop it. Like, that's not news. Like. Hey, man, every catch I caught, I caught it. I'm 100% with catches I caught. <laughs> I understand well, what I you're saying. So. I just think you're going to have a hard time forcing intensity in an event that by proxy is not going yeah, to have it just need, And, again, the NFL will say, well, we make money on it. People watch it. Well, it's kind of like the only thing going uh, yep. in that in that time slot uh, yesterday. And it was just, to me, I, I watched about two or three plays. And I'm like, is this – this is how hard. This is how far it's fallen to where guys are going through the line. Oh, and he kind of got bumped twice, and that's it. That's like that. That to me has been said. It's that's awful. not a showcase of anything. I mean, again, at least fake it for us. I mean, because I think the people that are that are watching that want to watch, 
Uh, if the players don't care, then why should I care? Right? I mean, and, I, and again, I was surprised they had that many butts in the seats there uh, for that thing because there's no way you couldn't give that ticket to me to watch that. It's ridiculous. I would like to know who paid the I money. Mean, BJ, you know, you know it is. I mean, I'd I'm like just, to know what the most somebody paid was to get in there. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to call my, my my homie out. Right? I'm not going to call my homie out. But in college, there was a certain friend of mine that played a sport. We we got a chance to go see her. You know, go try to dunk. Not going to call her out because she knows she knows she's the homie. She was like, "Y'all got to be there. I'm a dunk tonight. Y'all got to be there. I'm a dunk tonight." We like, it's all right. We coming. All of a sudden, you hit, you know, you get the drum. Come from one to the court, the other end, like she, you know, because, and when she took off, <laughs> and we, this is what it was, uh, it was like this, oh, uh, well, I was like, what was that? And she, listen, and when she didn't make it, she looked at our little section, because she knew repercussions were coming. That's what that was last night. You're getting my mind all ready for the best players, and there's nothing, that's nothing. You could have took players out the stand and said, look, you're Travis Kelsey, you're Russell Wilson, and let them get after it. I've seen the mascots go up against the little Pop Warner kids. They out there getting it, knocking them kids the hell out. That's something. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm for real. Like, when, if, you, if you've ever seen the mascots play the Pop Warner kids, the small – Kevin, you've seen it. Oh, them, yeah. them, them mascots like this, they tell them, listen, son, this ain't what you think it is. Don't let don't let the fact that I got – I'm Jackson DeVille. I'm about to Jackson the hell up out you right now. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's what you want. That is true. I love seeing that. That is great. I mean, I mean, BJ. We see like the Indianapolis Colts <laughs> mascot. Hold on. Hold on. Just go lay I somebody just confirm, <laughs> Just to confirm, you love watching mascots decleat kids. Yeah, on video. you better believe it. Decleat them. Show me the video and hit rewind. Oh, Play it again. My, my son about to be Barry Sanders. Whack him. Knock him out. So and then Andy looking like, what you gonna do? That place? I mean, what? What's more? What's what's more of a nightmare? Getting tackled or getting sacked by Aaron Donald? Or getting Jackson Deville coming, him and his little hamburger helper hands coming, knock the yeah. hell up at you. That's, BJ, that's everybody loves watching somebody get decleated. It's why you watch Ben get, you know, game planned on a kick return. It's no different. Okay, but, okay, but Ben was not a, a a small child in that video. The kids got helmets and pads on. Hold on. And what They're fine. Oh, BJ, are you, if you're one of the mascots, just say, I You don't got know, tackled by a pillow with arms. I don't know. There's a kid over there that has Ben on, on his back who just happens to look real similar to you. Do you take it easy on him? He don't know. Listen, listen, but he don't know. He don't know you a mascot, though. He doesn't. Do you take it easy on Depends him? Depends on the day. If you catch him in the overfield, do you go? Do you go? I will say this. No, no, put me think? in a mascot uniform and put, <laughs> and put my sons on the other side. I will lay them out. Kevin going to be the first mascot get thrown out of the mascot game. Get him out. Here, Kevin goes, well, if I'm leaving, I'm leaving what belongs to me. Yeah. Let's go. Let me. Let Why me, do you keep targeting number 12? Hold on, BJ. What do you mean? BJ, you're not going to take, take it to him? Okay, first off, I'm in a mascot suit, right? What if he, what if, oh, what if he do you open field? Uh, well, and then, do you got to catch him? I mean, look. I'm DDT and all my, niece, all my nephews. They, they know they're getting it. I'm <laughs> See, getting it. I mean, Kevin, you're not in a position because didn't last week you turned the PlayStation off on your son. Well, that, that's called parenting. Were, it was time to go to bed. I mean, my, listen, my nephew, my nephew, you know. I mean, if your son just beat you in the open field, he beat you. He didn't beat, he ain't going to beat me in the open field. I'm saying in this theoretical mascot tackling man, challenge. I, I, I'm, I'm diving. I'm, I'm out there with a big old, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm not going to be a, I'm, I'm going to just be out there with a big old gigantic, uh, like Easter Bunny, Easter Bunny, like I feel it's going to be like lime green. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm coming, I'm jumping all sides and everything. I'm pointing at the kids. I'm saying, What Boy. would be the best mascot for with which to tackle somebody? Oh, my goodness. Like Freddie Falcon? No. I mean, uh, Jackson DeVille, he's got, I mean, he's kind of got like oversized big, feet and, and stuff. And he's got a big belly. Yeah, he kind of, like, Freddie Falcon's a little more svelte. Yeah. Uh, 
Man. The Colts and the, uh, uh, and the Broncos have what like little horse guys. I mean, how does the how does the how does the little was T Rat built for speed? He was T Rat T Rat T Rat. Yeah, was he built for speed? Yeah, but he can swipe the hell out you with that long tail. <laughs> he got boom. He can get you. T Rat. Yeah, I like T Rat. No, I'm just saying, like BJ, if we if we you know we got on mascot outfits, all of a sudden you like as. Are right, we going to be adults about it? Get him out of here, man. He coming with these rules, man. I'm knocking yeah, him out. Yeah, hundred percent. Listen, my, Ryan. Uh, you know, BJ. My listen. You know, I love y'all, Josh. In high school, if I catch you on that sideline, walk him. Right there on the sideline, and I'm gonna jump on top of you, and I'm talking trash. I'm trying to get you kicked out. I'm gonna say, what are you talking <laughs> trash? You got you got deep cleaned. You got deep cleaned by Easter Bunny right on the sideline. I would love it. I'd see, like to see Kevin that understands. Too, yeah. Kevin says, we know, you don't, you don't, listen, it's going to be a point in time we can't beat them in nothing. Right now, you dominate them. You don't give them anything, anything. And if it gets to the point where you don't know how good they're talking about decleating kids and mascots. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm I'm raising my nephew, if I'm raising my nephew right now, I can beat him, right? Once he gets to the point where he can beat me, I'm going to say, and I'm never raising him again. I'm going to say, hey, man, if I win the car, I'm going to use my age against him. But until then, he's getting decleated. And, and, (laughs) listen, listen, I'm going to declete him, and I'm going to jump him off the ground, and I'm going to point to my brother, or I'm going to point to my sister, saying, yeah, I did this to them. And they rolled with me. That's right. And and, and they're not going to know it's me until the end of the game. I'm going to take this. I'm going to be signing autographs. With the, with the no uh, Easter Bunny head on. There you go. We got more to come. Three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you here. Three and out on this Monday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben. Valentine's Day coming up a week from today. And we have got your chance to be the big hero. Right? We've got a uh, Valentine's Day giveaway. Two-night stay at the Western Jekyll Island. And a package to the Milan Day Spa in Savannah. Nice Nice Valentine's Day gift. We're going to give that away on Friday, but you must register in order to win, and you can do that by calling at 912-342-7184. 912-342-7184. Call now, and we'll get you uh, get you registered uh, to be in that contest, and we're going to give that away coming up on Friday. Looking forward to it, uh, to give that away, but a, a wonderful prize. 912-342-7184. Call now. And get yourself registered to win that Valentine's uh, Day pr- prize. You can't mess it up. I mean, it's right there it's for you. Swag you just call it. Yes, you cannot mess this up, fellas. Two nights at the West End and the Milan Day Spa. You, all you have to do is call. Get you, you, are, are you on the list? You always ask the question. Are yeah. you on the list? You got to get on the list. Ma, listen, I got you two nights at the West End. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I at the Milan Day Spa. It, it is what it is. BJ Bennett couldn't mess this up. People, please call nine one two three four two seven one eight four. It's the swag yeah. pack. Call now, 912-342-7184. Get yourself registered for our Valentine's Day giveaway. We're giving that away on Friday. We're coming back. Good to have you back. Final hour of 3 and Out. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day. So much to get to here in the final hour of the program. We'll hear from Clay Helton, Georgia Southern head football coach, in this hour. And the Jaguars late last week got their man in Doug Peterson. And joining us here from Big Cat Country, Demetrius Harvey joins us. Here on 3 and Out, Demetrius, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing all right. How about you guys? Doing fantastic. Uh, we were kind of joking on the show that despite all the many stumbles and bumbles along the way from uh, guys who didn't want to come be the head coach because of the uh, the general manager to, oops, we forgot to file paperwork so we could talk to a candidate to, oh, we ended up with a coach who happens to be a Super Bowl winner. I mean, how did the Jags kind of stumble into this thing? Yeah, I mean, it was such a long and exhaustive process. Um, 
I think Shad Khan said it said that himself, and I'm not sure if he was being sarcastic or what, but it really felt that way from an outsider's perspective when you looked at how they began this search. I mean, they, they have their targets, obviously. Doug Peterson was one of their first guys that they interviewed, if not the first one, I believe. And then they had Jim Caldwell, and then they had Byron Lepp, which Nathaniel Hackett, Eberflus, um, Todd Bowles. They had a bunch of guys that, that seemingly were, were, were the leaders. And then the second round of interviews come. Doug Peterson's not involved in that. You know, Jim Caldwell's not involved in that. Um, they had Eberflus, who also said that he, you know, had an opportunity to take another job elsewhere, but he chose the Bears. And then you also had a um, what was supposed to be an interview with Nathaniel Hackett for a second time, and that never came to fruition because, you know, he obviously signed with the Denver Broncos. I think once that sort of happened, the Jaguars saw, you know what, um, we have Byron Leftwich here, um, and from what I know that they did, you know, extend something to him as uh, whether they want to say it's an uh, an offer or basically, you know, a weak nod, like, hey, we like you a lot, this might work, let's negotiate some stuff, um, and then for whatever reason that didn't work out, so then they sort of had to reset, you know, and they went back to Doug Peterson, and this was a guy that they liked from the start, but for what, whatever reason, after that first interview, they, they didn't want to talk to him again or they just wanted to exhaust all other options before returning to Peterson, which I think... Um, just using context clues and sort of conjecture, like you can see that clearly there was something in terms of the front office that needed to be changed or handled prior to Doug Peterson coming on board. I think that what Shad Khan talked about, having those guys that might join the front office, maybe an EVP, an assistant GM, those kind of things did make the job more attractive to Peterson. Obviously, you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence, and that's going to instantly make it attractive. So I think that in the end, they were able to secure the guy because of the concessions that they made. And, you know, they end up with the Super Bowl winning coach. It's really hard to argue with that being a good hire or not. So through all that, Demetrius, uh, you referenced it. Where Where is Jacksonville now with, with, with Trent Baalke? What is his role? And I guess what is the front office going to look like moving forward? Yeah, I mean, Trent Baalke is the general manager, and, and that has not changed ever since he was, um, you know, hired as the general manager with Urban Meyer, you know, as the, the full-time guy last year. That, that hasn't changed, and um, we have no indication that it's going to change anytime soon. Um, but there is going to be a shakeup. So when you hire a guy um, like an EVP, which the Jaguars are currently in the process of doing, you have somebody that's above the general manager, above the head coach that reports directly to Shad Khan. So he's going to be able to be the eyes and ears. He's probably going to be the guy to make the ultimate final decisions on things. And then you have another person that's perhaps below bulky as the assistant GM that's doing maybe the personnel moves or whatever you would want that sort of role to be. But sandwiched in between is bulky, and I think that it's kind of going to neuter him, you know, in a way in order to um, make this a more workable relationship. Now, what Balky's future holds, um, who knows? But for now, he's the general manager, and I think everybody, you know, has to understand and, and respect that as such. Demetrius, now that uh, Jacksonville obviously got their man and uh, Doug Peterson, uh, you, you, I saw that uh, you know Trevor Lawrence tweeted out like he's looking forward to working with him. How close? How close are these guys uh, to being able to c- compete in uh, in the AFC South? if they can get it right in free agency and they can address uh, some of these needs in the draft. Yeah, I mean, uh, competing in the AFC South, I think I talked about it with you guys last time I was on. Um, I think this is a very winnable division. I mean, you see um, the Texans have hired Lovey Smith, who hasn't had much success over you know the past few years because you know he was 
in Illinois, and, and he was with the Buccaneers a few years ago. He just didn't really capture that same success he had with the Chicago Bears so many years ago. And now they're going back to him again with the Houston Texans. And um, to me, that, that that doesn't scream, you know, scary. And then you have the Colts who are dealing with the Wentz situation. They don't necessarily have their quarterback. So it's always going to be about the Titans. And, you know, if the Jaguars can get this right, and that and by that I mean the quarterback position, which Doug Peterson is going to have a heavy influence over, and I think that that's going to be one of the major um, ways in which he's going to affect the team in terms of you know what, how he's going to make it better, and then you have free agent acquisitions draft, and who knows how the offense is going to be. But I think this team is obviously going to be more respected as a as a pro football franchise. I think that you have guys in place that can get it done. Now, if the staff is not good or whatever the consequences may be of, of whoever's get, getting hired there. Um, who knows? But for now, I think if you look at it in a vacuum, I think this has very um, a very easy path in order to be ripe for success in the AFC South within the next two years. Obviously, the Jags have a lot of money to spend. Uh, Demetrius, Demetrius Harvey joining us here from Big Cat Country. Uh, how attractive is Jacksonville as a free agent spot at this point? Obviously, yeah. Urban Meyer was a, a debacle situation. There's a lot of grumblings about what the Jags are doing as a front office and the, maybe the competency level there. How attractive, I mean, you can have all the money to spend, but if guys don't want to play there, you can be back to a corner. How attractive do you think Jacksonville is at the end of the day here? Well, I mean, it really depends on who they bring in as their EVP, who they bring in as whoever else is going to be joining the front office and how that sort of structure works. You know, I, I talked to several agents around the league, and the hesitation with that um, setup right now is, is Balky's in there. They're, he's very hard to work with from what they say. And there's a bunch of other hesitations in terms of the um, sort of, you know, losing mentality in Jacksonville that's been going on for the last, you know, several years. And obviously last year was not fun for any player or any agent or anybody who was associated with the team. So there's a lot of hesitancy. But then you look at it, you know, they have Doug Peterson. um, They have the money. They might get, you know, somebody in charge who's going to be well-respected. So I think that you can sort of look at it with a glass half full view and see like this is actually a solid landing spot for somebody. They have the money; they're going to be spending it. I mean, if 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 you're a free agent and the Jaguars are offering you the most money out of every team, I don't see why you wouldn't take that just because you might have have some hesitancy before because now it's completely different. And I think that that's the biggest key is that. Now that they've reshaped this, it can be somewhere to go, and I think that that does make it more attractive. But like I said, it all depends on who they bring in and and how that structure sort of works and and unfolds. But for now, I would say um, if they do make the right moves, it's going to be a very attractive spot. And Demetrius, if they do make the right moves, and as you mentioned, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to be able to get as much money as you can from a team that's going to be offering you the most money. What are realistic expectations in 2022? Because I'm – I hate to compare the two, but you look at what a Joe Burrow did for a Cincinnati franchise that was down in the dumps. How how big of a turnaround can we potentially see in 2022? Yeah, that that's tough because, I mean, no one would have expected what the Bengals did this year. I mean, before the season, I wrote on Twitter and I was blasted for it. You know, I was like, this team is going to be awful this year. Now they're in the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously I was wrong, but it, it just goes to show that the team can make that flip um, that quickly. You know, if you get that guy, you have that spark. Joe Burrow was just playing out of his mind. Uh, Jamar Chase is probably one of the best wide receivers in the NFL already. When you get a couple of those pieces that makes it click, suddenly those losses that you had before going 4-12, and 12, I believe they went a year prior to now you know, 10-7 and seven and then going into the playoffs and, and getting to the Super Bowl, I think that that turnaround can happen. It's very rare, but it can happen. And, and 
the Jaguars aren't in exactly the same position, but I do believe, you know, six wins this year, and that would double their win total from last year, is a reasonable expectation for this team. And I think that um, anything short of that sort of is, is not necessarily a complete failure, but it would be disappointing to see because they have the pieces in place. When you have that franchise quarterback and you have the money to spend and you have the draft capital, it's kind of awkward when you you know get to the end of the season and nothing has changed because you, you should have a reasonable change. You should have a better record. You're facing off against some of the worst teams in the league based on the record and the schedule. Um, so, yeah, I think that – this team could be better. I don't know how much better, but, you know, six wins, seven wins, that should be the benchmark. Obviously, the Senior Bowl just took place. Uh, the draft upcoming, uh, Doug Peterson now in. Does that give you any indication? Are the Jags thinking offense with the, with the early pick to give Trevor Lawrence some help, whether it be protection or a weapon? Do you think that gives you any indication of what they might do now as they start to jump into this draft process? It's tough to say right away, but I do know that Doug Peterson is a guy who loves the trenches, and he actually – had an interview with 1010XL, um, Hayes Carline, earlier on um, on Saturday after the news press conference, and, and Hayes asked him, you know, are you still a trenches guy? Are you looking at these big wide receivers and you're seeing, you know, weapons? And Doug said, you know, I- I'm still a trenches guy. I think that this game is won and lost within the defensive line and, and the offensive line. So if the Jaguars, you know, they have Cam Robinson, who's up for the franchise tag again or, or becoming a, a free agent, you know, if they move on from him, I could definitely see them going offensive tackle. You know, you got to protect the quarterback. You got to protect your prize possession in Trevor Lawrence, and that really does make sense to me. So, if I had to, you know, pick right now, right today, I would say an Evan Neal or maybe the NC State kid or the or the Mississippi State kid. You know, those three guys who um, who have shown up in, in in mocks as the number one offensive tackle. Those are the guys that I would be looking for for the Jaguars to take right now. And Demetrius, I mean, was such a whirlwind of a 2021 from Urban Meyer to Chris Doyle to, you know, uh, Trent Baalke. We'll see what happens in that situation to Tim Tebow to all these different things. I mean, the Trevor Lawrence never really had to have a – he never really got a chance to have a, I guess, a, a not-so-chaotic rookie year. If you if everything is just cool in the front office, he got a head coach that's done it, won the Super Bowl, how big of a jump can he take from, uh, you know, rookie year to a sophomore season? He, he can make leaps and bounds of a, of, of a jump. I think that this guy, I mean, if you look at it, and you mentioned some of the things, if you look at what he went through last season, that's not normal. Like, what he went through as a rookie, if you can come out of that, then you can do anything in this league. Because what the Jaguars went through was not normal at all. It, it was it was almost as if you, you just put in a guy or a, a franchise out of nowhere, and, and suddenly you saw what a train wreck it was. It just seemed like there was no cohesion, there was no organization. It didn't feel like an NFL team to cover even. So I can't imagine actually playing in it as a rookie and thinking this is the NFL, like wh- what's going on? But now that he has a guy like Doug Peterson who's been there, done that, won a Super Bowl, um, you got plenty of people. I, I've, I've yet to see a reaction saying that this is a bad hire. You have plenty of people on board. You're about to have more structure. You're about to have more structure in the front office. I think that this could be um, probably one of the one of his better seasons, especially as a as a young quarterback in this league. And I think that he's going to make so much, so many strides um, moving forward. And and I, it would be a shame if he didn't. Demetrius Harvey, Big Cat Country, our guest here on Three and Out. Demetrius, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Demetrius Harvey joining us here from Big Cat Country. And Ben, obviously, Doug Peterson coming in. And Demetrius said, hey, Doug Peterson likes the lines. Evan Neal, I know, is a guy that uh, a lot of people have been talking about here pre-draft. But 
I think history has shown if you're a franchise that wants to be successful, as you said, look, you need a quarterback. You got one. Step two is you got to make sure that quarterback stays upright. Uh, look at the long list of guys who have been the most hit quarterbacks in the league. And outside of Matt Ryan, who I think has had that distinction two or three times uh, throughout his career, they typically don't last, right? You typically just get so beat up, you're injured. You can't. Joe Burrow last year. Uh, Cincinnati looked at it and said, if we don't protect this guy at least a little bit, he's not going to make it. And I think if you're Jacksonville, that's got to be where you're at. you got a big-time quarterback. Uh, you've got a running game that has proven it can't work, and including Travis Etienne, who's coming off entry. you got to get Matt, You got to get Trevor Lawrence the ability to, to not run for his life and stay on his feet. Yeah, and uh, you get a chance to have some stability. I go back to my rookie, and I understand how hard it is for me as a tight end trying to pick up a – you know, trying to pick up on this playbook, trying to understand the game plan, trying to understand how I fit on a team full of grown men who this is our livelihood. I can only imagine coming in with a, with a brand-new head coach who's never coached in the National Football League and a guy, Chris Doyle, who couldn't get a job with no other organization, with a front office that's making some real, real bad decisions to an owner to which you don't even know you got your best interests in mind. It's it's hard enough. To, the hardest thing to do in the National Football League is to win, and harder than that is to win consistently. It's going to be hard to do that with a very, very young squad. But getting some stability, getting the guy who got some stripes on the wall, who's who's respected throughout the National Football League is going to help uh, a guy in uh, Trevor Lawrence go out there and get it done. Because, I mean, uh, Kevin, the one thing we saw last year was he's not a front runner. The first time this man has ever lost was last year. The first time he ever lost in the regular season was last year. And he proved that, look, man, I'm a team. And I went to bat for James Robinson. I'm, I want to be here on this team. I fought to get back in the game when they took me out. In the first half, so he's he's shown that I'm a football player first. Quarterback just happens to be how how he makes his money. I do think Doug Peterson is gonna, you know, it's kind of gonna unmuddy the waters a little bit, kind of like get everything kind of stable. We'll see if that if that uh, if that translates to the field. But I think this entire organization, this definitely this, this this team deserves some some solid platform because you know just like I know from the off season, the Tim Tebow, they was answering questions all season that had nothing to do with the year. It's amazing they even found a way to get some wins. We've got more to come here on 3 and Out as they continue that turnaround. We'll hear from Clay Helton a little bit later this hour as well. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio. On this Monday Super Bowl this weekend, obviously the Jags we were just talking about trying to get themselves into some kind of contention uh, to get in the playoffs first and then hopefully try to make a run at a Super Bowl. But Doug Peterson is in. What goes into that turnaround here? Because obviously you've had, what now, this will be the third coach in three years uh, in Jacksonville. The, uh, the saying is as old as probably sports has ever been around, uh, Ben and BJ. What's the best way to have a winning team? Consistency. Consistency with the coaching staff. Why Why everybody points to the Pittsburgh Steelers as the model. Hey, good, bad, whatever. We're going to stick with our, our head coach, Mike Tomlin. Hey, say what you want. He's our coach. He's not getting fired. He's going to be the guy. And what happens? He wins. Wins consistently. Is it what Pittsburgh Steelers fans want? Every single year? No, but the man has never had a losing year. Bill Cower before him, a long-tenured head coach. Stuck by consistency. Jags have had anything but that. How do you start working on that that turnaround as a franchise? Well, I think step one is don't overthink the draft. Uh, and, and I know uh, it's, of course, easy to look back on draft picks and say you should have done this, you should have done that. But I think this is a situation where you have clear needs, you need a talent upgrade all over the place. Just don't do anything outrageous. And we've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars in the past sometimes make good picks, sometimes make really questionable picks. I, I, I you know, heard you guys there at the end of the segment. I had to step away briefly, but at number one overall, to me, Evan Neal makes sense. And 
it's hard to envision a scenario where you draft Evan Neal and he doesn't immediately and consistently make your football team better. And I think both of the top edge guys, Thibodeau and, and Hutchinson, are really impressive prospects. I don't know, just reading some of the, the pundits' reports, that they're quite at that Miles Garrett, you know, Jadavion Clowney, you can't miss edge rusher type level. Uh, and, and I think Evan Neal is a guy that probably you feel like just from a simplicity standpoint, you plug in, you play, and you're better up front. I think with with Thibodeau and Hutchinson, you know, what are, what are you running? Are you a 4-3 team? Are you a 3-4 team? I don't think you have a defensive staff currently, uh, at least totally filled with, with Doug Peterson. So I think Evan Neal is drafted to be your foundational tackle, protect Trevor Lawrence for a decade, and I think that would be a great start. You look at your your next picks, Cam. Uh, we were talking before the before the show. Great wide receiver class. Great wide receiver class. Jamison Williams, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Traylon Burks. I mean, you're talking about Drake London, uh, playmakers, Jalen Tolbert, George Pickens. This is a great wide receiver class. You need help. You do get DJ Shark back at at wide receiver from injury. I like LaVisca Chenault a lot, Ben. You know that, but you still need more young playmakers to help Trevor Lawrence. I think spend one of your early draft picks on a wide receiver, and there are countless guys. I, I hate to say can't miss, but there are guys that you feel really good about coming in and playing right away, even well into the second round. I think it goes without saying you need to get bigger and stronger along the defensive line. Uh, Josh Allen is there. If you can get an edge rusher, if you could get a Jermaine Johnson or a Kingsley and Egbare, that would be outstanding. But I think you need to improve that depth along the defensive front. You just need size. I think, especially if you're going to run this 3-4 and stick with that moving forward. So I, I, I think you get Neal at number one overall. I think you try to add to your defensive line depth. I think you get a wide receiver. And if you can, because it's always interesting to walk that line between need versus best player available. I think Jacksonville is in a position with five of the top 105 picks or whatever it is to do both. And then I think if you have a credible pitch in free agency where – I don't know how you answer for the Trent Baalke, the coach. I, I don't know how you answer that. But I think the two ways to turn it around to answer your question, Kevin, I think don't overthink the draft, mm -hmm. don't do something crazy, and then try to accentuate the positives that you do have and make pitches to guys in free agency. The biggest, the, uh, the main thing, uh, the main thing uh, Jacksonville has to learn how to do is you got to stop thinking rebuild because that that trickles throughout the organization. You got to think reload. Hey, man, okay. Cincinnati is a Cincinnati is a is not something we, we we need to be the barometer, but it has happened. This is a team that real similar to us didn't have much of a history. Won their first uh, road playoff game this year with a second year quarterback. I think that you know I think that when you think about this team, you got the money to get to get free agents. You talk about some of them. Uh, Demetrius talked about you know uh, in the, you know in the previous segment. You got you got a chance to be able to offer guys more money than they ever seen. No state tax in a in a very 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 winnable division. I think too. When you're talking about when you're talking about the free agent aspect of it, you got to get guys to show young guys the way. There are too many young guys that say, "Look, man, I didn't have no mentor. I didn't have nobody to show me show me the ropes, how to go about winning, how to go about you know doing things the right way in the National Football League." That stuff matters. Then you got to address your needs in the draft. I'd rather get the guys that are going to be here in the future in the draft because I still got Josh Allen, I still got Et, and I still got Lawrence under rookie contracts. But you go and address the needs that you starters right now in free agency. And you be aggressive. I don't like this notion of, oh, well, we got to make sure we don't. No, 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 no. You won three games. You won four games in two years. It's time to be aggressive. In a division that you can go out there and win. 
You beat – think about two teams you beat this year. You held Josh Allen up there in Buffalo to six points, and you kept the Indianapolis Colts from making the playoffs. That's something to build off of. I was at I was at a team with the Tennessee Titans that you all were talking about, we got to rebuild, we got to – it's almost like y'all hesitant to make aggressive decisions. Guess what? If we're losing anyway, why can't we be aggressive? Well, let me ask you this about that, Ben, because your, your point about free agency is something we've all talked about. You have a lot of money. You have great weather. You have no state income tax. Is it realistic, though, given the but perception your front of office and your your franchises right. appeared to be right. disaster? Yeah. Is it is it realistic, given the perception, to say, and I, I don't know off the top of my head who the top five, seven, ten free agents are. I know Devontae Adams is out there mm-hmm. and some other. But is it realistic, you, you think, for Jacksonville to go toe-to-toe with teams that might have a more recent trip to the playoffs, might have Super Bowl aspirations, might yes. have a more stable front office organization yes. to go and somehow ap- appeal to those players more than those other organizations. Yes, because you got Doug Peterson. How many how many teams would say our, our, our head coach won a Super Bowl? Ain't too many teams can say that. And I will say this, the big, a big misconception about the National Football League is teams that make the playoffs every year and teams that don't. Well, the teams that made the playoffs every year and the teams that don't are, are not that far away. How many teams are making the Super Bowl? Are you one of the last two teams standing, or were you one of the teams that got to play an extra week or extra two weeks past the regular season? When you think about Jacksonville, how many teams in the AFC South can talk about you know being being uh, being in the, being in the AFC Championship as of as of late or recently? That would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. <coughs> Excuse me. When you talk about the Houston Texans, they're number three. Jacksonville is picking number one. So it's not that it's not that they're they're that far off. I just think for me, at the end of the day, if Jacksonville wants to. Start changing the culture. Like you think, I mean, you think about a Joe Burrow. He has a winning mentality to say, look, man, don't give me this. We haven't won here. We haven't won here yet. And I and I'm not finna I'm not finna take on the uh tradition of what happened when I wasn't here. Now, how fast can you compete in the AFC South? Very fast. I'm talking about extremely fast. Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill is not is not the answer in, in, in uh, you know, up there in uh, Tennessee. And I will say this, because they've added two teams. You don't got to be the best team in your division. You got near you can I can I can I can fight to win my division or I got to make sure I'm in that number one, number two wild card spot. I'm telling you, this thing can happen quick. And if we do it with a bunch of 22, 23, 24 year olds, that's when the culture is being built. I'm telling you right now, there are guys who want to play with Trevor Lawrence. There are guys in the National Football League right now that are free agent receivers that want to play in Jacksonville. Because everybody wants to say this. Jarvis Landry. When he leaves Miami and goes to Cleveland, he said, "Man, I can help Cleveland get there." When you talk about when you talk about guys that go to different places, I can help this team get back to where they want to get back to because the players want to be known as being a, a key fixture in these franchises. That's how that's how you know you build legacies. You're gonna get your money, but if you're going to Jacksonville, you're saying, "Look, man, we can have a we can have a, a year in year out playoff contender with a coach of Doug Peterson who understands winning, a coach of Doug Peterson who's respected." And I'm gonna say this. We might have to do this in spite of Trent Baalke. You might have to do that. There are players that say, "Hey, man, you know, you get I, I, now. I don't. I'm not. I'm not uh, condoning this. Play comes in. We know it's trash, but we got to perform it. So we look at each other, hey, man, and we believe it. We can go out there. And, we can go out there and get it done. Um, if you if you are if you are a guy in Doug Peterson, he sat back and watched that debacle last year in Jacksonville. So his first press uh, press conference. I mean, first player meeting got to be fellas. This ain't 2021, right? This ain't it, you know. And I think that once they start establishing that, practice is gonna be different, atmosphere is gonna be different. 
And we'll see. Hopefully it resonates on the field. Like I said, you don't got to be the best team in the AFC. You got to be the best team in your division. Right now, that's the Titans. And why? Because they have number 22. Not no other reason. They got A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. So go out there and see what happens. But think reload, not rebuild. Handling in free agency, handling the draft. You might have a chance to make some noise in 2022. That might be asking a lot for the front office that, as, that, it's, that, cur- that, that, as that, it's currently that might, constituted. That might, that I mean, that that, again, not because of the head coach, but the, the front office and, and, and folks who make decisions above their head uh, might not approach it with such uh, zeal. I'll just say it that way. we got more to come here on 3 and Out. We'll hear from Georgia Southern head football coach Clay Helton, post-signing day now. Had a chance to speak with our own Christian Gokel. We'll hear from him next here on here 3 and Out on this Monday. Kevin, BJ, and Ben, glad you're making us a part of your day earlier today. On second down, our own Christian Gokel had a chance to sit down with Clay Helton, Georgia Southern head football coach, national signing day in the rearview mirror, a very successful one uh, by all accounts uh, for this first recruiting class for Clay Helton. But our own Christian Gokel sat down with head football coach of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Welcome back into ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel, glad to have you hanging out with us here on this Monday afternoon. Got a whole lot more to get to today, but really excited to talk to our next guest, the head football coach for your Georgia Southern Eagles, Clay Hilton. Coach, first time uh, coming on the show with me here, man. I appreciate it. Hopefully uh, the first of many. Thanks for having me, Chris. Hey, Coach, you guys wrapping up a busy signing period, and obviously signing day, just the beginning of a long signing period all the way up until fall camp starts there. But uh, just your over-the-top impressions of this signing class. I know coming in, uh, you kind of had an advantage over some of the other first-year coaches because of how early you were able to come in here, but just give us that that overarching view of this class. Yeah, just like you said, I, I thought that Jared Benko's uh, proactiveness in, in his decision in hiring and giving us the opportunity to come in in November, really um, having the opportunity to see uh, our, our current team, see what the needs are, uh, and be able to jumpstart some recruiting, to be able to have those 30 to 45 days uh, were extremely helpful. And, and you look up in December signing class, uh, and we signed 20 kids. Now we're able to add six more uh, six more to this class uh, in February. Uh, still have some opportunities that are still left out there, you know, with the new NCAA rule of the plus seven due to transfers and attrition. Uh, so really, uh, really am pleased with this class. Very balanced class, 13 offense and 13 defensive players. Uh, we stay true to uh, the development of our young people, uh, you know, basically really focusing on on high school players, especially uh, in the state of Georgia. I think 19 of our 22 uh, freshmen are from the state of from the state of Georgia, uh, brought in some valuable transfer needs uh, that uh, we really feel uh, for transfers that will come in and be able to help us immediately. Uh, so uh, a class that we're really proud of, you know, it was a short period of time. It wasn't your true yeah. yearly uh, a yearly recruiting cycle, but to be able to come in here and address some immediate needs for, for next year's class uh, was very important. Yeah, I remember uh, after your opening press conference where you were introduced immediately out on the practice field watching those guys practice, kind of evaluating. When you guys looked at the roster you had, what were some of the positions of need that you feel like you needed to address in this class? Yeah, well, obviously, when when you're changing systems, uh, we we looked at you know two positions offensively. You know, we we decided to. Uh, 
broaden the quarterback room. Uh, obviously, uh, we have two good quarterbacks in that room with Cam and Connor, but wanted to bring in um, two rookies as well as an older uh, an older player. So, you know, we were able to go out and get uh, Kyle uh, from Buffalo and uh, really do uh, bring him in, a guy that, you know, has been a three-year starter uh, and has tremendous amount of talent. And then, you know, you go out and get Zach Rosman and David Dallas, uh, two, uh, two Georgia quarterback prospects that we feel like have immense talent. And you've really strengthened that room. Um, we also felt like we wanted to broaden the wide receiver room. Uh, obviously, going to be a more balanced offense. It's one of the reasons that uh, you look up and we we signed five receivers uh, in this class, uh, four four rookies and one older uh, older player in Jeremy Singleton. Uh, but excited uh, about uh, you know the addition of the skill to the offensive side. And coach, you look at what Brian Ellis has been able to do, your offensive coordinator, what he was able to do at Western Kentucky. I mean, Bailey Zappi, his his former quarterback, lighting it up down there at the Senior Bowl, setting all kinds of records this past year. It's, it's kind of a flip in mindset, I'm sure, for a lot of Georgia Southern fans. But you mentioned those quarterbacks there. Uh, how competitive do you think that room's going to be this spring? Oh, ultra competitive and really appreciative of the kids that are here. You know, one of the things that I've, I've seen immediately, and it's a sign of good players, is they don't fear competition. They don't care who's in the room. They just want to be have the opportunity to compete. And, you know, and not, not only with Cam and Connor, but the three new additions that, that we put in the room, it, you know, they all just want the opportunity to compete uh, and, and are excited about the system that Coach Ellis brings to the table. Why wouldn't you be? Right. <laughs> Number one passing offense in the country, uh, you know, that threw for more yards and more touchdowns in the history of the game. Um, so, you know, I know they're excited about it. What we're excited about also, you know, just as a coaching staff, you know, is the ability to be a more balanced offense. And, you know, when you bring a, a, a J.D. King back and you bring a, a Gerald Green and, and a Jalen White and then additions of Amari Arnold and Terrence Gibbs to that running back room also, you're talking about a tremendous one-two punch uh, to be able to not only have a great passing game, but have a highly effective running game. That's been the staple uh, of what Georgia Southern football has been about. Hey, Coach, uh, you mentioned Terrence Gibbs there. I don't know how much stock you put into stars there, but the, per the metrics of 247 and rivals, one of the highest rated, if not the highest rated recruit Georgia Southern has ever pulled in. And this is the school of Adrian Peterson and Jarek McKinnon and those guys and Matt Breida. What kind of back did you get in Gibbs? Well, I, you know, obviously when we signed Amari Arnold, we had the lightning portion okay. of the run right. group. And here came Terrence Gibbs as the thunder. You know, a big back that's already over 200 pounds, probably going to be a 215, 220-pound man before it's all said and done. Uh, and you look how talented uh, the young man is. Uh, I mean, one of the probably the top three backs going into his junior year suffers an injury, back healthy now. Uh, and, and really, you know, I think that foundation of, of the tradition of excellence that is the running back position at Georgia Southern really caught the eye of Amari and Terrence. And having both those kids here is really provides us a great one-two punch, not only immediately, but for the future also. Coach, defensively, uh, obviously the Sun Belt, a smash mouth kind of league. You have Louisiana in the style of offense. They like to run App State, uh, Coastal Carolina with their option. It's a lot of big boy football up front. Defensively, uh, how do you guys feel like you address some of the needs on that side of the ball? 
Yeah, you talk about big boys, and we went out and got three interior players that I'm really excited about. You know, losing C.J. Wright to the NFL, which, you know, we want each and every year to our players to have that opportunity to move on to the NFL. You know, we really felt we wanted to help our interior, so we were able to go get uh, a great transfer product in Christian Varner, but also two interior prospects uh, in Kai Teo, uh, as well as Latrell Bullard. That are there, There's three 300-pounders right there that are going to help the interior. Area. You you add uh, El Hodge Fall, uh, and you're talking about some really unique talent on that defensive front. So it was something that we wanted to address, and uh, I you know I thought that uh, Will Harris uh, and Rip Rowan did an amazing job uh, along with our recruiting team to go out and get those kids. And coach, the spring game coming up on April 23rd. I know I've heard a lot of call to actions from other coaches when this comes around because not just an event to see the upcoming team, but really a huge recruiting weekend for you guys. How important is it for you to, as we say, pack Paulson coming up on April 23rd? Well, I, I think we have one of the more unique college football environments there are in the country. Uh, even, you know, when I was here for the BYU game that Saturday, beautiful fall Saturday, you see how special Statesboro, Georgia is uh, on a game day. And, you know, to be able to have, you know, our spring practices on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays starting March 22nd, going all the way through April 23rd, we're using those Saturdays for having the opportunities for young men to be able to come on campus and see how special this place had and that spring game is a culmination of five weeks of work uh, again with our fans there where recruits can come out and be able to see wow this is a special place a special community where football just means more to them and coach clay helton kind enough to take some time with us here on this monday afternoon coach before we let you get out of here you're a football guy i know it uh nfl we had this we have the super bowl coming up but i think before that have you ever seen a divisional round better than what we saw with like the Rams and the Buccaneers? And just it was like it was two straight days of just football bliss. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I, I was like a sixth grader all over. <laughs> <laughs> One of the best playoff games that I can possibly remember coming down. So exciting. And the and I'm a quarterback coach by oh, trade. Yeah. Some of the best quarterback play maybe in the history of our game over a two-week period of time uh, that these guys have done. Can't wait to watch the Super Bowl this Sunday. And coach, before I let you get out of here, Joe Burrow, I've been, I've been putting this out there. It's just there's some things intrinsically in people, and he just seems like he's a winner. Has never lost a playoff game going back to college. And I, I don't know how to put my finger on it. Obviously, he has an arm. He's, he's very talented with his feet, uh, very accurate. But what is it about Joe Burrow where he comes on your team and all of a sudden you're winning? Well, I've always thought great quarterbacks give hope. And every time that Joe steps on the field, he gives whatever team he's on great hope. And you've seen it not only in college now, but also in the NFL. Uh, and it, to walk into opposing stadiums like he has over the past two weeks and do what he has done, and, and more importantly, lift his team up uh, to a, an elite high standard. Uh, watch out for him in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a great one. You got a prediction for us? Uh, I, I tell you what, at being in L.A. Uh, and, and the aura around Matthew Stafford, uh, just uh, I know that that's a, it's an important game for a lot of a lot of those guys on that team haven't been in L.A. the last 12 years. Uh, you know, I, I think the Rams by that much, it's going to be a heck of a football game. Clay Helton, kind enough to join us here. Georgia Southern has their spring game set for April 23rd. Make sure you get out there and pack Paulson because it's going to be a show with that new offense and the new quarterbacks and running backs they got out there in Statesboro. Coach, I appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Christian. Hail Southern.
as we go throughout the week leading up to the Super Bowl. And I know uh, Ben and BJ just uh, secured a couple of folks in the break there as well. Majay Sanders, a young man, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, 912 Camden County was able to uh, talk to him when he came out, BJ. And I told him on the phone, I said, hey. Because of you, because of you, Georgia boy, you got a chance to go to the college football playoff. I said, uh, "You got you a big coat." He said, "Yeah, I did get a big coat. It, it was cold up there in Cincinnati." He said, uh, "That white stuff coming out there, it ain't nothing to play with." I said, hey, <laughs> great player, great player <laughs> great for player. the yeah, Bearcats. Uh, it's going to be a highly drafted yes. player again out of Camden County. And when you think about the top edge rushers in the class, yeah. he's right up there. So a guy and, and that's going to be drafted wrong, very was highly. Player, was a wrong player when he came out. With obviously guys garnered some big time attention. And I told him, I said, "It takes a lot to go away from home to go from to go from a." Uh, you know, coastal Georgia, in a sense, to to Cincinnati. I mean, hey, man, but I, I'm proud of him, happy for him, looking for him to have him on the show tomorrow. Absolutely. So looking forward uh, to that. Don't forget, also, our Valentine's Day promo uh, still going away. Our, our giveaway, two-night stay at the Weston on Jekyll Island and a uh, package there to the Milan Day Spa in Savannah. All you need to do is give us a call, and you can get registered, 912-342-7184. We're taking your phone calls, and you can get registered for your chance to win that wonderful Valentine's Day package. Be the big hero. Again, it's a no-lose no situation. You call up, get registered, you could win, and then come through like the big star for Valentine's Day. I was about Day. to say, that's a home run. I, I mean, that is a home run. Two nights at the Westin on Jekyll. Come on. You get the day spa at, the, at, at the Milan day Swag. spa. Yep. And, and, I mean, that's that's covering all the bases. I mean, yeah. That's getting it done. And Kevin Thomas is trying to do it for you. He's trying to give it to you. I'm, I'm doing my best. I mean, I'm doing my best. You just need to call us up, 912-342-7184. And we'll try, we'll try our and best. And giving it away in a couple days? We're going to give it away on Friday, but call us up right now, 912-342-7184, and you can get uh, yourself registered to win that uh, particular prize. We're going to give it away on Friday ahead of uh, Valentine's Day, so you can have that already in the bags. Hey, we may not be doing it today, but you know what's coming up? Oh, talk about it, Kevin. Go a little getaway, and you can get pampered. Come on. A little bit. Or you can just go pamper yourself yeah, and say, yourself. hey, we're going to go away. I was about to say <laughs> You know, I mean, ain't nothing, really, ain't nothing wrong with spoiling yourself too. We 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 don't want to get away from that that that, that good old self love. It's sometimes the best. Hey, absolutely. Hey, we got so much to uh, to get to as we go throughout the week. Certainly, Super Bowl is going to be at the forefront. Uh, ben, as somebody is going to have a big moment for their NFL career, whether it be Matt Stafford, whether it be Joe Burrow. I mean, if Joe Burrow gets it, I I, I feel like it's almost disingenuous to say. Well, if Joe Burrow doesn't win, he's going to – no, you can't – outside of Tom Brady, you really can't chalk any of that up, right? I mean, it's like, oh, he'll get another chance. Peyton Manning, how long did it take him to get one? How long, And then he got another one at the end of the career where he had a tremendous defense. So I feel like people are saying, well, if Joe Burrow doesn't win, he's going to have plenty of chances. I mean, this is still the Cincinnati Bengals who have been to the playoffs and won a playoff game, what, two, three times? And they've done it all this year, but it's been 30 years. I don't know if I'm Joe Burrow if you're like, oh, if I don't win it this year, I'll be back. I, I don't know if you could just chalk up. So we, we do that all the time. Ron Paulus was going to win like three Heismans. How'd that work out? If you don't know, we'll let you know tomorrow on the show. It's three and out all across the Southern Big Skin Radio.